Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer Dave Stockbridge. So join Izzy, Dave, and Matt as we talk about the world of combat sports on this episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. Uh, Izzy's got sponsored posts to organise here from her sponsors. Maybe maybe we can, a, a quick shout out to uh, to Izzy's personal sponsor um, today is uh, Balance Cleanse. Balance um, Cleanse. Tell us a little bit more about Balance Cleanse. I will. And while I tell you about it, you can be in charge of sharing the live stream <laughs> so it doesn't distract. Um, so Balance Cleanse is absolutely the best bottled water that anyone could buy. Wow. It's so much better than its main competitor, Aqua Love, who mm-hmm. refused to sponsor us. I've heard that. I know. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. Um, But uh, I quite like balanced cleanse. It makes me feel balanced. It makes me feel cleansed Mm. spiritually. Um, So I highly highly rate this. If, you know, you're in a rush, recycled bottle. Mm. You know, if you're in a rush, you don't have your your constant water bottle. I don't know the other name for it. The reusable yeah, one. The reusable one. Yeah, then uh, this, is, this is your yeah. next best option. And, uh, you know, it's even uh, it's made from Australian wildflowers. Wow. So oh, the, the water's made. It's pressed wildflowers <laughs> into a liquid form. Uh, let's just or is it just flavoured by Australian wildflowers? It's infused. It's infused. It's infused with four wildflowers. Sounds like science Have you tasted involved. it yet? <laughs> <laughs> No, I have, I have, I have. I quite like this. Yeah, yeah, I do quite like this. Strength go up by ten percent. Oh, I can't quite. I haven't. I need a baseline. You know, I've been I've been messing around with my different water sources recently. So you know, I need Mm. to have it for a whole year straight. Once they sponsor me, that will be possible, and I can give. Uh, more specific details. Mm. So if you were sponsored by this water company for Mm. one whole year and we saw a 10% a ten percent increase in overall performance, mm. or mm. or even like listenership to the podcast, mm. perhaps mm. we could attribute it to uh, to balance. We absolutely could. In mm. fact, if balance, that would be science. Oh, it would yeah, be science, it. and you know they could even be with me as I make it to you know the Olympics or World Championships. I think. I mean, if I was a water mm. company, I wouldn't jump on board with absolutely. a sponsorship deal like that myself. I absolutely. did. I did like how your voice changed to really professional. <laughs> As the podcast started, it went from Rory, about- don't start yet. <laughs> we have officially, we have officially shared the podcast onto Facebook. All right, so we are, we are live. We are live. officially live. Let's go to the introduction. Well, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stockbridge, and joining me as always is Izzy Rossitano. That's it. Oh, I, made, I made a mess of that. Let's try that again. Joining me today is Izzy Rossitano. What's up? And <laughs> and Matt Hollywood Connolly. Now I feel like I'm letting us down with these intros. Like there should be a little bit more build up. Like I should be making more of it. That former Olympic hopeful turned boxer. Here's Erosatano. Still hoping. Still hoping. That's the, that's I'm still hoping, Dave. <laughs> that's right. Balance water. Still There's hope. still a chance. There's still a chance. <laughs> and, and, and Matt, that's not all, all of your qualifications right. when it comes to sitting here today. So mm. you're a moderator mm. on uh, MMA Junkie. I, uh, which I is did not. That. Wow. that was a little what? thing that just slipped out. Yeah, oh, it, just casually in our first podcast, I heard that, and it, how did all of that come about? Yeah, being a fan of uh, mixed martial arts, uh, 
looking at the UFC, once I first saw that, uh, it was like all other sports were like, I'm not watching anything else. I am only watching this. This is awesome. Best thing I've ever seen. This is all the best bits of all the sports I like, all in the one thing. Yeah, for sure. And seeing sort of the growth of it, I mean, it started in 93 was the UFC, Um, and seeing how like media got behind it and how they slowly started building up to the level that are at now. I mean, I think they sold the company for $4 billion. Only Indeed. $4 billion. Only $4 billion. I think well, that's a bit of a loss if yeah, you ask absolutely. me. And our next <laughs> guest on the podcast is Steve Maxwell, who was a early investor in the UFC. That's right. And helped the Gracies get started. So stay tuned to that. That'll be uh, on next week's episode. But that's sorry, right. Matt. No, that's right. Yeah. Thought I'd plug next week's episode. Yeah, for sure. Good idea. Good idea. Do you want to talk about the water as well? <laughs> <laughs> we could start by talking about water. Water. Does anyone have any preferences for what water they drink? <laughs> as long as it's wet, I don't get. As long as it's got hydrogen and oxygen, I'm fine. Right. I hope you've got a sponsor lined up at the end of I all should. Of this I should. I thought, yeah. I'll have to think of who, who could be uh, a mm. good sponsor for an arm wrestler. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's, they've got to be out there. That's yeah, right. Yeah, some, something to do with deep heat or uh, some oh, kind ice of gel. Maybe ice gel. Turmeric. There's got to be a turmeric manufacturer <laughs> out there. I want some turmeric. Roman would be so proud. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Went and, out and bought some turmeric. And did you notice any of the performance? I haven't tried Ten percent stronger. Ten <laughs> percent. That's the rumor. I don't that's know if it was the water or the turmeric. <laughs> yeah. So, no. So, so um, you, yeah, you yeah, got uh, into the MMA. Yes. You're, you're a young man, and you're looking. You're looking at VHS videos. Old of, of <laughs> UFC it was, two. It was VHS. It, yeah. well, no, you it was DVD. What? It was yeah. well. First one I saw was UFC forty. It was Ted Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. The only person I'd ever heard of before was Ken Shamrock from yep. wrestling. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll watch. Just the lion's den. That's who I'm going yeah. for because I only know him. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the lion's den. That's right. Yeah. So they had their their fight. Um, Tedder came out. He looked cool and everything like that. He ended up winning the fight. Dominated. Completely smashed. Um, Ken and uh, they Which, had, it was devastating. Uh, it just, wasn't actually. I was because I wasn't really invested in. I didn't really know what it was. Okay. So it was I just, gave up on Ken Shamrock pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ken Shamrock. <laughs> yeah. uh, so watching that, and then remember how on DVDs you used to have like the special features, and they'd have oh, you know, yeah, little bonus materials and stuff like that. How good were they? Yeah, <laughs> how good were the special features? The only features? reason to buy one, really. Yeah. yeah sure. um, and you had to buy it. Like yeah, that was it. that's right. So uh, in that, they had a lot of the training stuff that Tito was doing leading up to the fight, you know, he went up to Big Bear Big Bear in California and, mm-hmm. you know, he'd cut himself off from uh, everyone to, to <laughs> commit himself. civilization. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is like a high altitude place, you know. It's a, I think he bought it from Oscar Del Hoya, um, you know, took it real serious and trained really hard for this fight. They sort of showed a lot of his background. And I was like, I really like this guy. Uh, and then I watched a couple more of his and change your mind. Oh, yeah, no, you yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> hate him now. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, I became a fan and you know watched it through that. And so I sort of started around the UFC 40 onwards time, uh, which might have been 97, something like that. Yeah. Uh, 93 is when they actually started the UFC. Um, but yeah, seeing that sort of growth and then, you know, trying to find information about it on online because it was still not grassroots, but it was mm. not at that mainstream level. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't many websites around. There was Sherdog, there was ufcjunkie.com, which is yeah. what it used to be called. Yeah. It's now called MMA Junkie because a few other organizations started getting on board uh, and used to just post on the comments of the articles. And it used to be that their site was just literally a, just an a article. Thread. Yeah, it was just <laughs> one page and you just scroll down, you know. For, See what everybody else was saying. That's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Eventually they added, added the forums to their site mm-hmm. um, and over a few years of um, – you know, being a member and, and contributing and that sort of thing. They said, hey, do you want to 
moderate and uh, really. The, so they approached you. They, they, you got a message in the mm. inbox one day saying, How about "What you? a happy day!" What a, <laughs> <laughs> and what's involved in those responsibilities? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the actual site like the the uh, MMA junkie site, yeah. um, but it's the forum side of things. So it's you know managing that side of it. So. Um, you know, it's thread discussion threads, okay, and forums and that sort. So of if thing. somebody's getting a bit out of control, you mm. you kind of step in. You step in. Okay. The band hammer so gets so dropped. It's like those, <laughs> those bounce the skills yeah. come to the fore. Yeah. I do yeah. have a funny story though. Okay, <laughs> we had a guy that was harassing the main site on the comments mm. for months. A troll. Months, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, big time. Who would have thought just, on the internet? Oh, yeah. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he kept, I kept banning him, but he kept using fake uh, IP addresses because you can, you can, this is a little bit tedious. You can ban somebody's level. username and, and their email. Yeah. Uh, and then you can go next level and mm. go IP address. Yeah. Uh, he was creating fake emails <laughs> and then fake IP addresses, <laughs> <laughs> which was, you know, getting frustrating because. I was spending a lot of time going through every person who had joined and then you're like, okay, yeah, no, that's that guy. Get rid of him. Yeah. No, that's a good guy again. Get rid of him. Because he's, you know, he's just posting hateful, quite, you know, racist, vile comments on every article. <laughs> just couldn't help <laughs> For months. But how much did he on. want to do this? I mean, it, it's obviously a passion for him. Oh, yeah. Um, it's going to enormous effort. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, that is next level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But he had written in the forums a couple of times. So I used... I was like, I need to find out who this guy is. And I can't backtrack because these IP addresses are, are fake. You know, mm. they're, they're um, randomly gener generated ones. Uh, so I went back. This is like an investigation. I was like, <laughs> I'm determined to get this guy. Went <laughs> back through all of his uh, forum posts and found the first account that he'd signed up with. I was like, okay, this is the first one. It's like the earliest post. That Ground made. zero. That's right. This is where it all began. <laughs> yeah. Detective. So just a bit of background here. So Matt is a moderator on a website called yes. MMA. No. Yes. Yeah. Currently MMA, MMA Junkies. Junkies. This is a US Today. Yeah. USA Today. And this USA is the yeah. life of a moderator. That's right. Mm, on MMAJunkie.com. Exactly. Is, I don't think anyone else would do this. But this is yeah. very interesting. Yes, yeah, so do go on. This so is this is behind how, the scenes. This is expose. Yeah, this was war. This is war. It was war. Please, Is this an exclusive? This is an exclusive. Okay. All right. So here we go. So you've gone back now in time to the beginning. The very first account that this troll made. Tell us about it. What was the date? Like was it rainy? Was it gloomy? Was it cold? It was. It was a dark cloud. It was overhead <laughs> for him. No. <laughs> yeah. So he found the first one. Looked through all the posts. He posted maybe forty times under that account before something had happened. He got into an argument with somebody, and, and eventually, you know, that's where I guess the turn happened. And he turned to the dark side and started getting aggressive and got oh, that so account So he started banned. off. He was. He was cool. Yeah. Like he was just a normal guy. Was a normal guy. Was a normal guy. <laughs> normal wow. human. And then something happened. Did you? Were you able something to nail it down to a moment to or a life. comment? Or? Uh, he seemed to have a big problem with one of the authors on the. Uh, well, we got the music going. <laughs> is that background music? Are you setting the scene? This is so oh. oh, this music. is for drama. This, this, Should we just pause for a moment? Can we have and... some rain? Oh wait, 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 wait! This go. is getting this is getting too much for me. What's happening? Dave's got his phone out. What? <laughs> the dark cloud. Dave knows coming. something about this guy. <laughs> yeah. We got, got suspenseful music. And <laughs> <laughs> we got him on the line. Here he is. Here he's he 
studio. Okay. <laughs> so right. so yes. if, if we're, uh, we're, at, we're at ground zero. Yes. You've isolated the guy yes. and uh, you, you've read through his first 40 comments. He yep. seems like a normal guy. Mm-hmm. Just a normal guy who's mm-hmm. commenting on the MMA. And then, <laughs> and then something happened. He got banned. He got banned. And since He got then, a bit nasty. He got into an <laughs> he argument. I think, uh, I think from what I remember, he was attacking one of the authors of the site. <laughs> Personally. Oh, yes. okay. So this yeah. it turned personal. It's, yeah. It got ugly. For him it did. Yeah. Right. Okay. I don't think the uh, actual author knew anything. Anything He doesn't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the life of a moderator. That's right. You take it on for the author. That's yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was more fun for me than anything. I'm like, can I find out who this is? And, yeah, so I found the original account and it had his his actual email. Oh, uh, oh my God. Yeah. But it was it wasn't like a name. It was like, you know, oh, um damn. Yellow Snake fifty or something. Okay. Like Gotta watch out for yep. snakes. That's Pretty right. butterfly nineteen eighty four. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's okay. right. Oh. Yep. Hot Ranger. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I did a search, reverse search with that email address. Here we go. Yeah, it's, it's building up, it's isn't right. it? <laughs> yeah. I can't take <laughs> Suspense is killing me. How the hell do you even do a reverse well, search? All right, go on. Well, basically, you copy the email, you paste it in Google, oh and then you see what comes up. But I no, found out some other forums that he posted on. Uh, hmm. so a little bit more information, um, you know, gathering, you know, the, the the board, the pin board started getting a few more like, sheets on there. So coming home at night, the dining room table is pushed to the side and the, the, the portraits of the family I'm, are being I taken totally down. I can totally see this. And there's post-it notes. It's like Russell Crowe in a beautiful home, mind. like, what, what happened, honey? <laughs> what happened? Like, I'm one step closer, I've got to find him. <laughs> so is your family falling apart at this stage? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember a lot about the rest of that. <laughs> That's a particular part of my life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, okay, uh, so you reverse searched the email. I did. found him uh, the same username in a lot of uh, other forums. Mm. And he revealed a slight bit of personal information. Just enough. Just enough to pull on another do, thread. Do you recall? You <laughs> might not want to. I remember exactly was what it was. Oh, do you, do, can you say it without incriminating? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, oh excellent. My gosh. So tell, he, tell us the vital key. Yes, so he had said it was about where have you lived previously. Ah, was the the thread, and That's he sweet. wrote, "I've lived in Texas, in uh, Ohio, and somewhere else. I don't know somewhere else, Seattle, or Seattle." Right. And uh, I was like, "Okay." That's interesting. So you ran some quick maths. Yeah, that's right. In your mind. Uh, yeah, for sure. Eventually, it got down to I was looking. I remember I was looking at the US <laughs> White Pages site. <laughs> this has gotten deep. <laughs> this is the best story I've ever heard about the internet. Oh my gosh! All right, so do go on. Right. So you've got the White Pages. So you've yes. ordered it from from America. A nice big White Pages oh, book like this thing. An original. Luckily, oh, you got went to your local now. library. I went to my local White Pages. Uh, website, website page. Okay. okay. Uh, and yes, uh, used, to Texas. used all the information. No, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Packed my bags, my guitar, my shotgun. Uh, to get uh, my second passport from the office. <laughs> okay, yeah, now go on, go on. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, we got, we got a ticking time bomb. We're, we're, tracking, we're tracking email now. Um, yeah, so anyway, on the white pages uh, through the email and the amount of data that I managed to collate uh i was able to find somebody that matched and you profiled like, him you yeah, profiled and it, him it, and on the white pages it gives you <laughs> previous addresses that they've lived at and oh. i was like texas ohio seattle get out of like, here this is the guy this is my man. this is who it is <laughs> Are you yeah kidding me found the town that he's living in i'm like great oh. i found the town 
didn't have the address for him, but I um, mm. started looking through all the towns, with, like their Facebook pages, their local jujitsu clubs, their local oh. kickboxing clubs. <laughs> and uh, you were on the trail. Looking yeah. for anything and everything that would match this this guy. Found the name. Um, we won't say the name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of hoping you were going to. Oh, yeah, if you can. If you want me to, but he might, he might love we, the we fact that he's getting attention. We don't want to give him another reason to win shit. <laughs> well, that's right. So found the name, uh, did search in that town. Anyway, tracked him down. Uh, found. Flew to America. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> found who it was. I got him. Great. Did a Google search. Found his house. Uh, photo, street view, house, uh, cars, friends, neighbours, relatives, everything. Uh, sent it to MMA Junkie and said, this is your guy. This is the one who's been... Because they were frustrated with him by this point. Yeah. Every article they would put up was just, you know, getting attacked. Wow. Um, and then they sent him a cease and desist letter from oh. their lawyers and never saw him again. Never heard of him again. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah. Matt, so, I, think you, I think you should really be a PI. <laughs> or, was that what they call it? A personal inspector? Yeah. Or per- per- a personal investigator? A personal yeah. investigator. Yeah. I think you should be like Liam Neeson. Have you, have you got like a wow. long trench coat and a cigar and a, and a hat? Like just took it off when if I came not, in. If not, we, yeah. can, we can, we can <laughs> organise that <laughs> through our sponsors. That's, That's incredible. So the, I guess the moral of that story is don't troll our page. Yeah. Uh, I will very find you. Yeah, I will find you. You can you hide down. behind your IP changes and everything. <laughs> You'll slip incredible. up somewhere and I will find it. Wow. Yeah. So they must love you over there at MMA Junkie. They're pretty happy. I got, yeah. They sent me like a little pack of stuff, you know, oh. like um, because they have that stuff, man. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you really do. Yeah. It was uh, because they attend all the UFC events with the uh, press credentials. You know, they sent me a whole heap of their, you know, Badges and oh, the shirts, and, yards and everything. Yeah, exactly. So wow. that was kind of cool. You know? That's really cool. Yeah, I was That's more awesome. happy that I found him. <laughs> yeah. That would be really nice when you found him. Oh, I, yeah. I can't believe. Like you, you did an amazing job, really. Yeah. I think any government would love you for their security. Yeah. Like. Yeah. ASIO, if ASIO, you're watching. ASIO, ASIS, FBI, CIA. It is strange that people don't realise how Illuminati. how easy it is to to find out a whole ton of information about a person, mm. and they might say. Okay, I've talked about this with a couple of friends, and they're like, oh, well, my profile said I'm private. You know, you wouldn't be able to... I'm like, okay, give me five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like, here's what I found. And here's a photo of you, your parents, your their income, your income, this is that, the you know, photo of your house. Da, da, da. It's just, it's all there. It's not like I'm doing... It, it's 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 available for anyone to find it. And, yeah, it, you so really have to be diligent to, to prevent it. And if, if, if you've got your stuff set on private, it doesn't mean your friends also have mm. their stuff set on mm. private. Your friends have taken photos with you or mm. something. So get a VPN. That's uh, some advice that you can share with people. Yeah. Or it won't work. Well, if you're looking, obviously, if you're looking yeah, for them, it won't work. Yeah. But it, <laughs> maybe, no. no. Would that help? That's a work right? It would help slightly, but it, no. <laughs> Just slightly. Not enough. No not enough. No. I don't know about huh. that. Oh, virtual private network is yeah. um, so that your IS, your internet service provider, so whoever you're with, say Telstra, um, uh, if you're at home on your internet, when you connect to the internet, it goes through your Telstra provider and then goes to the website. So that provider has a history of, everywhere that you've accessed um if an organization wants to put a search warrant in and say we want to see isabella's 
Search history. Yeah. <laughs> what, best best water sponsors. <laughs> Why won't anyone sponsor me? How to get sponsored That's by right. Puma or Nike. Then they have to hand it How over. How to make the Olympics. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. So a VPN is... So <laughs> Why go, won't anybody I'm love ripping. me? <laughs> Please love me. <laughs> How to tell... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, go So uh, with a, a VPN, a virtual private network, you go from your computer at home, it connects... I'm so <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Sorry, I better stop. Be- beanie or hat? <laughs> <laughs> what hat word should I wear today? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. Do right, go on about the VPN. VPN. Yeah, um, it's, it's fascinating. No, not really. <laughs> oh, anyway, it's just a way so that if you're at your house, uh, it connects to the virtual private network and then you're, it's, it's, you still get access to the internet, but um, your provider can't see where you've been. That's basically all that does, but it doesn't help if you put photos of yourself on Facebook. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know what? The, the other thing that's really interesting about VPN providers is that none of them sponsor the podcast yet. So, oh, and there are many gosh. of them. There is. So, um, a if you're a VPN provider out there and uh, you like what Matt's uh, just uh, been mm, talking about, mm. then uh, now's the time to jump on board the uh, <laughs> Daily Combat podcast. Um, so, uh, so Matt, it, is it that's obviously not everyday life as a moderator on MMA? <laughs> I certainly hope it's not. Who else have you tracked uh, down? So <laughs> work for any organisations? So generally speaking, it's just to ensure that the tone of the conversation that's going on there in the comments thread is is fair and reasonable, and people aren't getting too much out of control. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and but what, what's it like for you as an MMA fan? Does it is it the perfect excuse for you to keep on top of everything? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. The good thing is, like, I'm on that site every day. Anyway, and, you would have yeah. been on there anyway. I'm that's guessing. right. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Uh, and then yeah, taking a little bit more responsibility as to um, people that are coming here, what sort of experience do they want to have? Do we want people on here that are just horrible, nasty, evil, arguing with everyone every day? Mm. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want people on the site that when I go to it, it's always a negative experience because. You know, the only people that are going to stay there are people that are going to also argue back and forth and you yeah. just get a sight of just pure hate and it's like, mm. this is horrible. No mm. one wants to come here. So, you know, trying to identify that, you know, remove that or even just approaching. We had a guy that's joined recently um, and he obviously intelligent guy, you know, writes well, but just combative and passively aggressive and mm. argumentative. Um, so just sent a private message and what mate. You know, I can see you, you're smart. You're a smart guy mm. and you're making valid points, but you're just doing it really aggressively. So He's make the same color. points, but, you know, do it in a, in a con- constructive way, like a conversation. It's like, well, I don't actually agree with your opinion because of these reasons, mm. but I, I respect that you see it that way. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, rather than, you're an idiot, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you. I will track you <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, look, for you, um, maybe what we should be doing every week is like Matt's top five from MMA Junkie. I mean, it's, it seems <laughs> yeah, like I mean, he's reading it all anyway. Yeah, that's so, right. And, and in keeping up to date with the MMA world, what, what are the latest trends? What's going on in, in that world this week? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, the funny thing is for me, like since getting into arm wrestling, that has been the, the, the focus, which is strange because I thought, you know, nothing will ever replace the UFC for me. It's like yep. when that came around, I remember because I used to watch a bit of football, a bit of cricket, you know, you know this and that. UFC was there. I'm like, <laughs> not everything else. I'm like, nah, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I watched everything, all the Ultimate Fighter series, and, and it was awesome seeing the growth from where it started because you know, it used to be just one pay-per-view event every four months or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it used to be stacked cards. You know, every, you knew every single fighter that was on the card because it only came 
everyone would that that also was into it uh you know we'd have these big get-togethers to watch it and it's like yeah. when's the ufc on it's on the three weeks sunday at my place you're gonna be there yeah awesome and you'd have 50 <laughs> people there and you know uh it was a great it was a big event it was a nice. it was a big event I, I remember my best mate was into it really early on and so He'd gone down and got UFC one and two on VHS from the local deli, and uh, and returned, and we put it on. It's grainy, and we watched it, and and it was like this is this this is mate because it was no rules. Mm. It was like it was a you know it was real wild west stuff, and you had you know little guys against big guys, and Hoist Gracie winning. It was the whole hero story. It was it was amazing, you know. And then um, like three or four events, him words started cottoning on cottoning on about. You know, the UFC, and you had to, you went on a, a waiting list when the video came out. You might have to wait two weeks mm. before you wow. could get the video, Damn. and then you watched it. And, uh, so you know, somebody wouldn't have rewind, rewound it all the way. So you just spent yeah. the first 20 minutes rewinding it, and then you get to watch it. And, uh, yeah, it became huge, and then it dropped away. Mm. And it seemed to, uh, yeah. all of a sudden, the video yeah. stopped, and yeah. it was really hard to get any information on it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was that period where the UFC. Stop being sanctioned. The dark ages. The yeah. dark times fell. Yeah. So mm. what happened with that is, you know, UFC was was around. It, it had it ran to about maybe 15, 20 events uh, throughout the country, and then a lot of politicians jumped on and said, "Oh, this is human cockfighting. Really? We can't have this." And, yeah. Really. Um, it, it was blacklisted it from got Australia. Banned. It was blacklisted. Well, from Australia, a lot of states. Right yeah. up until recently, even in New York, up until the last yep. 12, oh, 18 months maybe. Yeah, I think they yeah. had their first one about 18 yep. months ago in New York. So, the union stopped it from happening there. Yeah, so they, mm. they blacklisted it uh, and then it went underground because, you know, they, they couldn't hold it in hardly any of the states. Couldn't get a pay-per-view. Yeah, that's get, right. Yeah. And, and Tito Ortiz carried oh, wow. it through those dark ages with mm. these people. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so eventually uh, they sold it and... Dana White, who was managing Ted Ortiz and Chuck Liddell at the same time, uh, found out that they were going to sell. They were, they were massively in debt. Uh, and he approached his childhood friends who were billionaires uh, who own a casino, the Fertitta brothers. When your oh, childhood friends are billionaires. That's right. Yeah. It's helpful. We all need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so they own um, uh, casinos. And Dana White approached him and said, I think we should buy the UFC. I think this is why I think that it's undervalued and we could make it into something awesome um obviously it's banned everywhere and it's losing money That's so a smart man yeah mm. or woman because i'll be real with you the whole time i read his <laughs> name as dana i was always thinking it was a woman ah, <laughs> and then i was seeing photos of this dana yeah. as a man i'm so confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a man yeah. um, thanks for the and what a man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they hired a guy uh mark ratner who um, used to work for the Nevada State Athletic Commission and he wrote them up a unified list of rules that they could then present to athletic commissions and say, this is a legitimate sport with legitimate athletes. These are the rules that they are participating under. And that was that's really important because there, there weren't rules early on mm -hmm. and there weren't even weight divisions. Nope. So, you know, so you, you it was freak show fights, mm -hmm. essentially, yeah, which sounds... was part of the excitement. Yeah. But... Also part of the brutality that yep. that, that ensued as well, and uh, so the, these rules were formulated to essentially legitimise the sport in mm -hmm. the eyes of uh, all of the the sporting commissions. Exactly, that's yeah. right. So they managed to get it, uh, you know, legalised in in say Nevada, mm -hmm. and then they went to California and they got it done there. Eventually, working their way through the states, and as it grew in popularity, because it is an awesome thing to see, and the way that they went about it, and they had really high production value. Uh, and they were putting on really good events. 
uh, they were able to then continue to expand and it wasn't until New York was the last one on the list and I think they had some issues with the culinary union there that mm. was the culinary union. culinary union mm. I'm just thinking about utensils now like. that's right <laughs> very strong union that uh, put up a big stink about Getting the UFC there, uh, I don't know. That was but a wait, battle. sorry, are we talking about actual like crockery and yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, like uh, why? food and beverage in your because, uh, hospitality. Why, hospitality, why did they yeah. throw us? So, uh, I think there was some because uh, the Zufa, which is the owners of the UFC at that time, mm, um, they, they, it was non-union. It was non-union. Uh, their their casinos were non-union, mm. and so that union in New York continued to. That was a very powerful union. You can imagine hospitality. Union in Mel- in uh, in New York very much being yeah. powerful. Uh, we're blocking it um, mm-hmm. at a at a local level. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took a long time to get through, and it was just crazy because you know it's forty nine out of fifty states, and mm. it's like, well, Madison Square Gardens, New York. You know, they've had the history yeah. of what the belt, the world's biggest boxing matches mm. there, and it's like. What are you doing? Let us in. Like, mm. um, but obviously it has to go through the political side of things. So it has to be voted to here, voted to there, and then agreed upon by this and voted. Mm. And it took ages. But eventually now they're there and they held their matches. At, I think the first one they held. Uh, Conor McGregor? It? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, mm. Madison Square Garden and, you know, huge yes, events. Yeah. So they were able to get things back on track. Uh, but, yeah, it was there was a dark period. But one of the big things that really helped them step back into – the mainstream or, or get get the attention because I think they were still struggling. Um, and struggling it until they could get pay-per-views, essentially. That was a yeah. big barrier for them. It was The Ultimate Fighter first mm. season, mm. Uh, which was, I don't know if you've seen that show at all, but it's uh, it's sort of like Big Brother with fighters. Yeah, it's a reality TV show. Yeah. yeah. But, but at the end, somebody, you know, becomes a UFC fighter. Yeah. So the, mm. the idea That's was. sick. I want to go I think on. Yeah. It was like. <laughs> You'd like the idea of that. Yeah, it was like, yeah. I don't know, 20 guys living in a house and they would train with Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. That's awesome. We need more shows like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely. Go on that show. Yeah, I think go they've on. got one for boxing. The Contender. I think Stallone was involved in that or something. Mm. Yeah, you're like, how did I not hear about this? How do you not know this as a boxing fan? <laughs> yeah, so, but they would be separated to teams and then the teams would compete, but they would live in the house. So you sort of had a reality TV aspect oh. to it and they also would have a fight at the end of every episode. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was going right. I think they spent a lot of money on it uh, and the ratings weren't fantastic, but the finale, which was Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, that fight went, it was, this is a key thing, mm. free-to-air. It was on free-to-air TV, so anybody could watch it. And that fight was phenomenal, one of the best mm. fights ever. And, and still a really, one of the best fights ever. A real defining ever. moment what for a lot of What year was this? Because I just checked and the contender, unfortunately, did wrap up filming in 2005. <laughs> uh, it was probably 2000, something like yeah. that. So this is around 2000. Yeah. Early 2000s. Mm. Yeah. From my perspective, UFC kicked off like, I, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but probably like in my head, I would say around like 2012. So to hear it was 1993. Yeah, yeah. I could see Tate's reaction there. Please don't kick me off the show. I'm a boxing fan, number one. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. So to, to actually hear this history of UFC um, from someone who's seen it come out from mm. social media and pretty much like Ronda Rousey headlining things. That was yeah. when, that was my first introduction. Right. That's interesting, isn't wow, it? Yeah, you know, you have these so, superstars yeah, really interesting punctuate the consciousness at different mm. times. Exactly. And, yeah, and for different mm. reasons. There's like key moments that you can see in the history. It's like here is where yep. this happened that that allowed yep. them to grow to Here's here. The first woman. That's yeah. right. And then this happened, which allowed, you know, and the expansion. So, mm. you know, 2012 is the first time that you 
heard of it and that was you know through ronda rousey but before that it might have been for me with Ted ortiz and before that it might have been it was hoist gracie hoist brazilian jiu-jitsu taking on giants and yeah, winning and that's so, right and people how how did yeah. how, how how did he do that yeah. you know yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. it was amazing absolutely then nobody, and nobody, the world hadn't been exposed to brazilian jiu-jitsu yet as well no, that's you know, right. it, was, it was the ufc it's like a, a superpower it was, was very much a superpower, yes. yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, that Ultimate Fighter uh, finale. So because it's on free, t- uh, free to air TV, uh, the ratings because this fight was so awesome and it was really close and really back and forth, and they were both getting rocked. And like, mm. you know, you're like, oh my god, it was uh, yeah. any second <laughs> one of them is going to fall. But then he, you know, he would come back, and then he would come back, and it was just that was epic. Yeah, and the ratings for that just kept going up, and you could see obviously people were watching it, and ringing their friends, going, "You got to put this fight on! It's amazing! You got to see what." <laughs> um, and uh, at the end of that, you know, they announced Boris Griffin was the winner of the contract, uh, you know, to get a six-figure contract with the UFC. But because six of the figures, six-figure contract, uh, yeah, which, which is a hundred thousand, not a million, over, six, <laughs> over a lot of fights. But yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Seven a lot. Figure it's not six zeros; <laughs> it's six yeah, figures. That's right. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Forrest Griffin was the winner, but because the fight was so awesome, they also gave Stefan Bonner a contract as well, and uh, rightfully oh, that so. Is so sweet. I love that. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah, I think it should have been a draw. I think they should have gone sudden death round. <laughs> so, but that was a really big pivotal moment uh, that helped them because so many people saw that and they're like, "What is this UFC thing?" Now it's really interesting to think because there isn't really another sport that you can think of that's been elevated as a result of. Uh, packaging itself better in that in that way, mm-hmm. so it, it was really making it accessible to a to the whole fight audience mm-hmm. rather than this mm-hmm. real narrow band of mm-hmm. mixed martial arts enthusiasts that were such an it was a niche it was such a small niche, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden a fight like that that all fight fans can watch and and enjoy is the thing that punctuated mainstream consciousness and yeah, for sure. and and brought it about, and it very much is. That, that reality TV show, like, can you think of another sport that's just gone nuts after a reality TV show? I, no. I would argue, or point add in here, like almost CrossFit through that reality. I first discovered CrossFit, I'm pretty sure, from that documentary they did on Netflix. Okay. Right. Can't remember the name of it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say definitely not as successful. No, com- no other combat sport, number one, agree mm-hmm. with you there. And number two, probably ne- not to the same level of success that we've seen UFC like, mm. as I said, like, you know, we, we all discovered it at different points. But mm. for me, it was obviously like a, almost two decades mm-hmm. yeah. past when both of you discovered mm-hmm. UFC, which says a lot. And, and so what happened there? Mm. Did you know about Ronda Rousey? Had you come across MMA before? Was, Were you even a fight fan at that stage? No, I'd say like just boxing. Oh, yeah, always a boxing mm-hmm. fan. Like Rocky was. <laughs> 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 I know Rocky's a fictional character. <laughs> Don't tell me that. What? No, no. Uh, but I mean to say, I mean to say like from Rocky, I and got into. It's a reality TV show. You mean Rocky's not real? No, no, no. Yeah. But from Rocky, I started watching like if there was a big fight or not, watch that. Yeah. But UFC specifically, I think, I, I just can't recall i can just remember my earliest memory of ufc being ronda mm. and being like and what oh, about ronda and i want to seeing fight her. her seeing her fight yeah seeing her fight i was dominate. like yeah definitely i was like yeah. a i want to fight her one day <laughs> and b i was like she's awesome yeah. yeah she's so cool like they they explained that she'd been to the olympics mm-hmm. she'd been on a she's college a scholarship mm-hmm. yeah. Judo champion. yeah and she'd she'd uh she'd had a really uh interesting life and actually when i first the reason i wanted to fight her is when i first 
watched her. The media presented her in a really arrogant light. Mm -hmm. They really made it big and they really hammed it up. But as we know, the media always, you know, (laughs) occasionally, I don't know. Uh, So sometimes things aren't as they appear. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people play a character like maybe Connor or Mm -hmm. trying to think of someone who maybe, yeah, there are some characters out there who Mm -hmm. are played as such. Um, but then I watched a documentary that was um, centred at that the cameraman was following her around and spoke to, interviewed her coach. Mm. Can't quite remember the name of it. Um, but after watching that, mm. I was like, wow, she's really down. She's really down to earth. Mm. And she's had this incredible thing where she was training. Like I, I used to tra- train in a few gyms where it's all guys mm. and she did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that was really big for me, like to see that she didn't care. And, and it was more about being equal in the fight gyms with mm-hmm. everyone there, no matter gender, no matter anything like that. Yeah. And that really inspired me massively. And were you boxing yourself at this stage? No, only, only got really into boxing after I stepped away from canoeing. Right. Um, yeah. This was, a, this was like year 12. But this yeah. is when I wanted, remember when I first got the offer for the sports draft scholarship, yeah. I put in, well, when I was going in the process of it, my first option was combat. It was always combat. Right. So obviously, I mean, they were desperate for female canoeists. Yeah. So that's why I got, I mean, there's a number of reasons why I would have been chucked in there, but. Had I had a choice, that was my first choice. So that's what I wrote down. Mm. So my life could have gone a bit differently. I mean, knowing that I've got the love for combat, there's no doubt in my mind that had I been training in a combat sport earlier on, mm. it would have been a bit different. But I've learned a lot from canoeing. So. Where does that intrinsic love of combat come from, do you think? The fight. <laughs> Don't we all love a fight? That's the best bit about combat. Did you have, a, uh, do you, have you had fights when you were yeah. younger? Or, my or... six foot three guy, my first fight. Come oh, on, you oh, can't oh, forget yeah. that. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, just kissed the microphone when... then. That was a lovely experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rory. No, You're going to fight the microphone in a second. I mean, when you're when you're younger and you're you're seeing you're in year 11, year 12, you're seeing Ronda Rousey on TV and you think, wow, that, I, I like what I see there. Um, had you had you done any fighting at that stage or was it just a matter of I love boxing, I love the idea of it and that's something for me one day? Well, it's definitely definitely crossed my mind. A number of people I would have loved to have punched in the face, <laughs> but I refrained from doing so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no, I did not. I did not fight. Yeah, no, I just avoided the conflict as much as possible. So, yeah. And and, and what what changed for you that uh, to all of a sudden want to be in the conflict to to going through and realizing that I didn't have to kind of uh, get approval to do the things I wanted to do. So did that you took feel me like way a, too long to realize it was. Um, yeah, was there like, like was a it. resistance? Did you feel like if you were telling people that I want to be a boxer, mm. did you feel I was going to be pushed back from your support network? Or I think it was because I realized at the end of canoeing, like I done like as i said it got pretty cloudy or pretty not fun not enjoyable Mm -hmm. for the majority of it and when it got to the end of that i kind of realized i'd been listening to all these influences tell me what to do Mm. and i realized it had been to the detriment of kind of my my time Mm. and my life and i thought you know I, as I said, I'd always had a passion for boxing and for fighting. Like for combat sports to me, I've said it, they're like the epitome of sport for me. Mm-hmm. So the Olympic values of friendship, excellence, respect, I think we see all of those things in combat sports. As we've discussed in earlier podcasts, some sports have bigger egos. Every sport attracts a culture to it. It's mm. so interesting having mm. done multiple sports. I can tell you, you know, there's a certain type of person who does a different sport. It's really interesting. Mm. Even, you know, you've got different international people, but they have the same the same mindset per sport. It's very yeah. interesting. And I guess for me, I kind of realised, like, I had that, that love and stuff. For me, 
canoeing, I, even though I kind of always felt like it wasn't going to quite work out, especially towards middle of canoeing. I'm like, it's, it's not going to work out, but I've got to get to the end of this. Mm. Um, I can't look at it as a waste, but if you love something and you spend all your time on it and you don't reach your goal, at least you loved it the whole you time you're it. doing it and yeah. you've got all these other benefits and you because went, you love it. And you weren't feeling that with canoeing. but you I felt wasn't that you getting had... so many things that, I, that you can get from sport. Mm. So sport can give you, you know, so many positive things. Mm. The only thing I was really, you know, there was very limited amount of positive things and, and the, the balance of positive and negative, I was getting so many more negatives out of doing it. But I had that one goal, like I've got to get to the end of the I have got to go to the Olympic trials. Absolutely. I've got mm-hmm. to. That's what I've got given a scholarship for. Mm-hmm. I've been given an opportunity. I can't not m- not see that through for the people who've given me that opportunity. That yep. was the biggest. I think that's the biggest reason why on reflection I you, couldn't quit. So you kind of felt the burden of responsibility Absolutely. to carry this through. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, like sometimes like afterwards I was a bit like down thinking, did I just waste five years of my life, did I just waste that because mm. I had that feeling? And in sport, it's so time limited. If I'd spent the last three years doing boxing, mm-hmm. learning my footwork, you know, learning my technique, and it's so much technique, learning how to access my strength, which is any sport, but very much so in a combat sport, mm. yes, I'd be better off. I think about the time I've invested in canoeing and the skill I have, mm. it's not transferable to much at all. The only thing is the upper body strength I got. Mm-hmm. You know, what What can I transfer from that? Yeah. Whereas, as I said, something like boxing, let's say, let's flip the tables, let's say I'd been doing boxing and I didn't make the Olympics for mm. Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'd have fight skills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd have boxing skills. Mm-hmm. As a coach, I can tell you, everyone loves a boxing PT or a boxing yeah. coach. So that's that's another income stream. I'd have a much better chance at having sponsors. Mm. I'd have the opportunity to now go and fight professionally and earn an income. Yeah. You know, and then more so the biggest one for me would be, as I said before, I'll say it again, every single combat gym I've walked into, it's a family. Mm. And I'd have a family of people that, you know, that would be my family. So. But one of the benefits of you doing five years of kayaking is that your right arm is now longer than your left. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to help with the, that's gonna help yeah, with yeah, the jab. Yeah. That's for a real. good time. No, no, for real. God damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you um yeah i uh, i definitely agree there yeah. are lots of positives like physically yeah yeah aside from my clicking shoulder um but yeah aside from that um my, my possibly torn labrum um but yeah. <laughs> um no no, no 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 i do agree i do agree massively yeah. and also like my balance and that's actually something i was thinking about maybe that's why boxing came to my mind halfway through canoeing was hmm. like in in the canoe my right leg is forward and my left my left leg hmm. is back and i thought because um, I had issues with my hips. I was constantly had really bad injuries after injuries and, you know, mm. um, I always thought I could even out my body. We became lopsided, me and my training partner, <laughs> after like three years of canoeing. It was quite funny. We were, we were lopsided. Wow. We were, after about two years, we said to our coach, we're becoming a bit lopsided. Can we deter that? Like, can we can change we- uh, the program, the strength and conditioning program? Because like one side of my... Like our hips looked different, wow. like yeah, because we spend so much time lunging in one position, right? So yeah, we yeah. looked physically different, and we noticed that because we girls were like, "Hey, we look different." And that coach was like, "No, no, awesome <laughs> Polish guy, <laughs> really." But he's like, "No, no, no, girl, don't be silly." And then like in Poland, we see very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then canoe rolls you. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then eventually. Then one day he was just like, 
Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. And then he told us straight. It was pretty funny. Like one day, I just remember. <laughs> so he's just walked in. Oh no, we're not too far here. This is not do- good. We need yeah, a doctor. Yeah. It's very funny because like one of my hips is still slightly different to the other, so yeah. it's just like more indented. It's just the way it is. Like I don't know whether it's I don't know. God knows. Anyway, um, but <laughs> punch using in the hip. That's what. Well, yeah. No, no. But it's interesting because we saw Ryan last week with his one arm oh, more bigger yes. than the other. That's a it's similar very, very thing. common. Yeah. Very similar. I mean, obviously, that's what happens. We adapt. Yeah. Um, but that was a, another train of thought for boxing for me was I can even out my body, I can even out, and that's and that's kind of happening, so that's mm. pretty good. Did you, was canoeing fun to start with? Yes, absolutely. The, the funnest thing about canoeing was... Falling off. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was so fucking difficult. I'm sorry about my language. But the thing about canoeing is, and this is what, like, no one fucking realises until they see my boat and they're like, oh, shit. Damn, like but had you done canoeing before you started? Never. So this is almost like you you so essentially you've gone to the Australian Institute of Sport. Yep. You've done some tests and they've gone, you know what? Canoeing. And you've gone, sure. Yeah. Is that pretty much it? Yep. That's and then exactly they've gone what with happens. you. And then you're all of a sudden, so you're learning under the guidance of elite canoeist uh, yep. coaches. Yep. Yeah. And really you're thrown nice into coach. deep end. So almost like a, the reality TV yeah. show. Like it you're was. just thrown in there and it's like, in four years we expect medals. <laughs> yeah. you it was like broken, that. It was a huge hips. burden. Yeah. Yeah. And one hip should be big. <laughs> one hip much bigger than the other. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's funny. And that's and that's one positive I've really got to take from it is I've got to remind myself like everyone else I was competing for, uh, like competing against for a position, especially for the Olympics, they've been involved in kayaking a similar, like almost, you know, it's another water sport that's mm. very in a similar boat. Um, for about 10 years or something, like since they were 13, since they were young teenagers. So then here I was, this random 19-year-old thrown in with a mix of people who'd been together for five years, right. which says, you know, a bit, and then yeah. suddenly I'm competing with them for a spot on the Australian team. Wow. Yeah. And I can definitely see that and understand their perspective. So there's like, a little bit of resentment. Definitely. The there would be a lot. Of, there like, would have been a lot because not yeah. only were we teammates, but we're competing for the spot together. Yeah. So I think that was a, a really big thing that the um, – that could have been kind of maybe acknowledged and worked through, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, and just um, on a structural yeah. From a structural perspective. Yeah. 100%. There was no initiation like, hi, welcome to the Sports Institute. Um, this is what we expect from you. I mm. never had that. So no one ever told me like the general expectations or cultural things that I should be aware of. Yeah. It's just a matter of trying to, trying to do my best. And, <laughs> yeah. When did it stop being fun? Oh, that's such a good question. I think oh, if I'm perfectly real, um, the first coach I had before I before I had an Australian level or an institute level coach, they put us in with like a state development coach. Unfortunately, the state development coach was abusive mm. and not just towards me but to, to a lot of people. Mm. But I was the one who fucking spoke out about it. Mm. And this is one of the biggest things I thought about because I thought about like when I reflect on it, was it worth speaking up against this? Mm. And I first of all, i got to say I don't want any sympathy and it's no way – I'm not a victim. I'm not none of that. Um, but when I look back at it, that was the moment when things changed culturally ah. for me. So when you raise your head, your head's on the chopping block. I'm the one who did that, you know. And so you you felt that culturally within the 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 guidance that you were receiving and the the general vibe around the place wasn't all that it could be, and you spoke up about that and. As a result of speaking up about it, your relationship with those people around you changed. So, 
to be more precise, like this guy was kind of sexually abusive and harassing, like oh, that sort really? of thing. Okay. Yeah, so, not just towards was that me known at the time, like within no. the circles. Or I'm that's... not quite sure. It was known. It was definitely known. A lot of my teammates were like, you know, like okay. he was yeah so going off it. Oh. Yeah, like it's fine to say to try and be a tough coach. That's one thing. Mm. But to be sexually harassing and to be making comments that are like pretty bad, pretty degrading, and right. you know that sort of thing. Mm. Um, you know, it was pretty bad, and I put up with it for a number of. And, and you're living in a bubble with these people, so that oh, every becomes day your world. To, yeah, it's yeah. That person is literally like full. It's a full time job. Yeah, unpaid, obviously, but you know you're there full time. And I was training twice a day with this, you know, with this guy who was just yeah, it was pretty bad mm. looking. And I was only nineteen, I think. Mm. So um, I put up with it for a really long time, and then I was like, it just got really bad, and it got to the point where I don't want to go to training. And this was at the very beginning when I'm learning how mm. to to stay in the boat. Yeah. You know, like. And so you've already got that to cope with, but overlaying that, yeah. you've got somebody who's yeah. not appropriate. Yeah. yeah. And so naturally not supportive. And then you're thinking, well, who do I turn to in this situation when the person. Bad. Actually, mm-hmm. I remember some things now that we're talking about. It. Like, you just put it out the back of your mind, but I remember some things. So, like, I remember he would make trainings also, like, so me and another girl were drafted in, and he would make trainings, like a third training, and then not tell me about it because wow. I was, I was like, going far, like, developing faster than my teammate was. Oh. So instead of just, you know, including me in on that, he was trying to, like, yeah, put oh, the other person up more. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, stuff like that. It was pretty bad. Um, but more so, when, like, it was overhearing what he was saying to other people and hearing, like, when I did speak up about it, there were a number of people who were like, yes, mm. yeah, this is like, he's been like that, he's been like this. A number of people, like, you know, even my teammate, who was my main competitor, said over again, like, I'm so glad he's gone, like, that sort of thing. So the um, AIS stepped in and took action. They did. I'm so grateful for the AIS. They, they did. They took action and he was he left mm-hmm. um, and he never returned to the sport. He actually moved <laughs> like moved away. Right. Um, but you know, I'm really grateful for their support because you know we're seeing all this stuff come out in the media. Like a great example is um, that swimmer who just boycotted the Olympic trials, mm-hmm. and I can tell you it's a very similar experience to what she had. Right. Um, and now she's getting su- supported by a hopefully independent board that's reviewing what she's come out and spoken about Mm -hmm. but i had a very similar experience but when you speak out about it you are fucked and even just saying it now it's almost a bit scary for me because i'm like is any future coach or is any future sport going to hear this and think oh no you know what Mm. i'm saying that's what that's what you have to live with Mm. and that is my biggest that's probably my biggest regret but that's one point that that's the point when i can say i felt from that moment that the specific organization no longer supported me and they did whatever they could to not support me. That was that was that's that was what the feeling I had was. And the reason for that being that guy having close affiliations with those people. Mm. So that is something So he left, but the people he were close to, he he was close to President rem- of the committee, president rem- of the Yeah, all remained in place and yep. and and uh yeah, it's always difficult to know to the extent that those people knew, but you would imagine that they would know the character of the man, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 Well, it says a lot about their character too. Mm. Um, but, I mean, if any combat athletes were listening to this and had a similar experience, I would actually say really consider about whether you speak up or not. And, wow. you know, I would love to be in a world where I would say always speak up against what's wrong. And, and but when- I can say that probably did cost me international opportunities. A hundred percent. There's like... No and, doubt. My and where were you? Where were you training? Were you training? This is in Westlakes. Yeah. Uh, so you're training locally. So yeah. uh, 
Can you imagine how uh, horrible that would have been if you were, were in Canberra, for instance, and yeah, away from that? Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, yeah. I can only imagine how difficult that would be for, for those people. Mm. Evil, yeah. evil prevails when good men fail to act. Mm. That's have, true. Uh, <clears throat> That's true. I mean, at least at least I stopped it happening to other people. That was that was a pretty big thing for me. Um, at least then, I mean, it kind of got it, it did become more enjoyable after that. After okay. that, I was able to enjoy the sport. Mm-hmm. But it's just like if I were to look back and think, what would I change about my career? Mm. Maybe a finding, maybe just I don't know, like you know, finding I don't know what I could have done different. But, but was it also about that time that you started to think about boxing a little bit more? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Punching the guy in the face. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say some motivation, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But it's a very interesting thing. I think politics in sport, like it's yeah. it's massive. And and I guess uh, I've always been someone to try and stand up for what's right. Mm-hmm. That's Integrity is massive for me. At least looking back, I can say I did that. But like, mm. you know, it does cost you your future, yeah. you know. And as I said, there's so many things I'd love to really be detailed about and really speak up about, but I don't feel like I can mm. because it will cost me my future sports career. That's how it feels. That's really how it feels. Have you guys had anything similar like that? Uh, I, I can picture the um, environment that that would be in where, you know, f- for us it's always like we try to keep everything fun and fun, mm. fun is first because, mm. you know, you want to come along and have a good time and you mm. want anybody who's experiencing the sport or, or whatever sport it is that the first thing is, hey, this is a fun thing to do. Mm. Come and come down and, and we'll welcome you in and you have a good time. Mm. That's got to be fundamental throughout every level, I would say, even mm. to the absolute top level because mm. when you add in those pressures and money and commitments and sponsors and this and people you can't let down mm. i think people forget why they're doing it yeah and it's like absolutely you, if you're not doing it for number one reason you enjoy doing it mm. because hey i love this is fun i love going out there and doing this, this is mm. great if you're not doing it for that reason and <laughs> with ufc well every if you ever see every single time when they're doing a pre-match interview with somebody if they say I'm fighting for my family. Mm. I'm fighting for somebody else. They'll lose. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, They'll lose because they're not fighting for themselves. Mm. Yeah. You have to fight for yourself first. You have to have that fun attitude first. If you're doing it for somebody else, mm. you're not going to be 100% committed mm. to it. Um, yeah. It, you can see that across a lot of things. And especially with those high level, he seems seems to be with, with like really you know, swimming or with, a lot of Olympic sports where they really start pressuring athletes, and especially at, at a young really age. young age. Yeah. And gymnastics is horrible. Like like aggressively, it's yeah. like yeah. that does not look like a fun thing. You know, the coach screaming at it. It's like, that isn't a fun thing. Yeah. How is that fun? Mm. I, I think in a lot of cases, these people very much live in a bubble, and it's a, it's a bubble of the. It's sp- a fucking bubble. I can tell you that. I lived yeah. in a fucking bubble. I did, absolutely. And you're insulated from the rest of the world and you, you become captive to these personalities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that amplifies the negativity of it. Mm. I really, honestly, like, I could say so much that I would love to say, mm. but I can't. But, um, yeah, it was very, it could, it can get so negative and it can get so hard. And I would imagine when the AIS came about, going through your testing and the like, they would have also tested for personality types to to see where you fit yep. within the big five and they would have known that you're agreeable and they would have known uh, these things. And so when you're an agreeable personality, it means even more what those people that are in positions of authority around you have to say about you. And the impact of those words cuts really, really deep. 
and then you've got that compounded by age and, mm. and all of everything else that's going on in life when you're 18, 19, 20 mm. and in those real development years where you're trying to find yourself, but then you've got some crazy Eastern European guy yelling at you. <laughs> oh, i yeah. gotta, I got to say, I think my, both my European coaches were the best. They were okay? Yeah, yeah, they were funny. At least that, like, their accents just made everything amazing. Both they of could them, have been both mean. Both of their accents. Yeah. Your, they, hips, they your say... hips are big. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you yeah. kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah especially, the, especially my first coach, his accent was incredible. Shout out to Christoph. But, like, just getting, like, because he's Polish too. I'm half Polish. And he'd be like, Isabella. Yeah, what did my teammate do? Oh, just also everyone loved his accent. Just an amazing accent. Oh, that's yeah, very great. funny. Yeah, sure. yeah. Can you tell us because you said on the first podcast that you had envisioned what was going to happen at the Olympic yeah. trials, and you said the thing that you had envisioned did happen, and then you didn't go into detail as to what it was. So what happened at oh, the Olympic trials? Oh, this is getting this ah. getting into an expose. So, so there, perhaps we can set this up a little bit sure. more. So you're at the you're. you're the Olympic trials. This has just just happened, really, isn't it? Uh, like, we're, 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 Guys, this when is like the talking? most traumatic event of my life. You really want to talk about this? Deep, deep <laughs> right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Right, right. Oh, no comment. Right, okay. All right. Let's fucking talk about the Olympic oh, trials. Oh, Rory's letting me escape. Dark with the, oh, this is suspenseful music. All right, right, right. We're gonna go into this. All right. I'm gonna fucking. Oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna fucking expose everything. Excellent. Let's there we go. go. That'll be an exclusive, Rory. That'll this is an exclusive. <laughs> Here we so, go. From my perspective, all right. And so, when so for everybody who's is listening who might know your story, so you you were an aspiring uh, Olympian, I'm still um, fucking inspiring, uh, aspi- <laughs> aspiring, uh, still aspiring. So I'm still trying. Dave. So Be- Beijing's coming. Um, <laughs> so, but maybe aspiring to uh, to uh, represent your country in a different sport next time. So. <laughs> But th- this time around, um, we uh, so th- this is only like six or so months ago. And yeah, how, how's the water Infused from our sponsor? With the uh, wildflowers. <laughs> this is the first time you've actually tasted the water. Yeah. <laughs> you just realise what the hell is it? No, no, the balance, balance cleanse, balance cleanse. Mm. We can calm, calm blue ocean. Mm, dribbly. <laughs> I love my balance cleanse water. Shout out to balance cleanse. You know what? You guys are so much better than aqua love water. You know what? I don't aqua love, aqua love water. No, not anymore. No, it's under the table. That's right. They had their chance last week. They, they did. Had the but balance has a chance to step up to the plate. To step up to the plate. I like it. I like it. Balance, uh, well, balance cleans. <laughs> it's, it's my favourite. Um, <laughs> Personal choice. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. When it comes to balanced water. Um, so, uh, so, th- so your when were your trials? When were the trials? So when did all of this kind of culminate? Is this? I remember it like it was. It all happened. Well, okay. So there were two trials to make the um, Australian Olympic yep. canoe kayak team. Yeah. <laughs> the first one yeah. was the Oceania uh, Championships, yeah. um, the qualifiers. So that's where Australia had to qualify. The, the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that was made in 1927. <laughs> so we get some WD40 on this. <laughs> some we can use some balance water. It does yeah. everything. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so first lot of trials yep. uh, for the whole team. Yep. And Australia qualifiers yep. for the and uh, mm-hmm. and how did you feature in in the trials there? You were happy with your performance? Yeah. Went to plan? Um. So I had relocated to Melbourne. Yeah. I was training with uh, my teammate Raker, 
Uh, she's originally born in Hungary. Oh, yeah. And she's an amazing kayaker. I think she became third in worldwide for marathon kayak, which wow. is obviously a marathon, yeah. uh, not a sprint, but yeah. a very awesome. Um, she's a really cool person. Yeah, she's great. Great <laughs> teammate. So she, I can't even remember what happened, but like, we're like, are we going to try for the Olympics? <laughs> I, I don't even remember when this happened. But so I, I, God, I don't even know. I can't even remember my life. But I'd moved back from Queensland, I think, and then I was thinking about, uh, obviously, the trials. Um, I'd had a bit of a – so I went to medical school in 2018. Right. When I left to go to – this is a bit of a pre- preface. When I left to go there, the university was really big on my sport. They were so excited. They're like, oh, we have so many Olympians here. Like, we want to help you. We have They do have a lot of swimming Olympians there, and they kept on going on about it. <laughs> and it was a completely different story when I got there. Um, oh. My, my honestly, one of my biggest regrets in general is doing medicine. Mm. I'd always had an idea that I'd be doing it when I'm 30. Mm. And I don't know why. I was like, when I'm over 30, I'm going to go do it then because I didn't expect to get in. So I kept trying every year to get into, to get into med. So so you're, you're a really high achiever academically at school to get yourself into that opportunity and at a sports level. Did so, all right. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. did, I did work very hard. I don't know how the hell I got my grades. I really don't. Looking back at it, I'm like, what the hell? So you, <laughs> I couldn't do that. Now. So you're literally preparing for medical school at the same time as preparing for the Australian team yes. in Kyoto. Yeah, I was doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. yeah, I was actually at, I actually got my first interview uh, in like around the time of we have three main competitions in canoeing. They're called Grand Prix, and that's our national competition before nationals. I remember like second Grand Prix, I got a message saying, you've progressed in the next round. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you joking? I like, it's, you know, I tried for three years or something. So when I got that, I was like, are you serious? Yeah. I was so blinded by the fact that I got an offer into med that I didn't seriously consider it. Mm. And I, my gut feeling was don't go. I was really happy where I was. Mm. And, you know, everything was really perfect where I was and I, and I was really happy canoeing and it was really good at that point in time. This is 2018. Mm-hmm. And then went went for it, got the interview, and then right, I think it was after Nationals, found out that I got offered a spot, which was definitely one of the happiest days of my life, but I was so blinded. I think it was just aiming for something that to me was so impossible that I wouldn't achieve until I was like over 30. That yeah. was literally my thought was I would never make I'd never get an offer into med. I just thought it was so impossible, which is stupid. I can now tell anyone listening to this, if you want to do it, it's not anyone can do it. Trust me, <laughs> anyone. Like from, yes, it's very it's achievable. Anything is. Anyway. Um, I felt what? like we needed Rocky music just in the background. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> he says anything inspirational, it starts on a tangent. Oh, I like that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, my whole point with this is, I think being blinded by that opportunity and stuff, I didn't really assess what does this mean for canoeing. Plus they told me over and over, you're going to be like supported. Like we're so excited, blah, blah, blah. I got there and they literally made me, they're just like it was impossible to do both, both my study and the sport. It got to a point where... To be fair, this was a bobsled competition. I, okay, sorry, this is going to get... What? So I went away to compete for World University Championships in canoeing and the university wouldn't change the dates of an exam. So my final year medical exam, they wouldn't change... They wouldn't yeah. say you can sit it later because of your sport. Right. Whereas they'd, they'd always said, we, we will balance your we'll studies around. Your and there's lots of great opportunities like in America there was a story I remember while I was in med school there was a a reading a story about an NFL athlete Mm. who took six or seven years to finish his medical degree Mm. I remember thinking that's amazing he was so supported like that's all that's I thought that's what I was gonna well that was what's gonna happen Mm. so it got to a point where I had to make a choice between sport and med 
and I chose sport because sports, my logic was sport is time limited. Mm -hmm. I can always go back as originally planned, but I do regret that year and that did set me behind. And in terms of like everything, I don't know, it just felt like, am I going to make it? Am I not? Blah, blah, blah. It's a so, lot of pressure. So you went all in on the Olympic dream. I at did. That point. I went all in. Yeah, I went all in. Yeah. End of 2018, I went all in. I made. I went fully all in. I mean, like, I went overseas. <laughs> like I went to train in Canada. Yeah. Shout out to every Canadian. Amazing group of people. Obviously, they're very polite. But um, I really, I really feel at home in Canada. Yeah, I've got a great support network there in Ottawa. I'd say just as awesome as Adelaide. It's like the Canadian version of Adelaide, Adelaide. to me. I know my way around. Like you know, I can navigate everywhere there. A great group of people, as I've said. Awesome coach there. Shout out to Mikhail. Mikhail. <laughs> so it's in the accents, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, good right. coaches, great accents. <laughs> they do. Olympic gold ensues. No, no I one think has so. a normal name in yeah. coaching. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, so you you kind of you you're already edging into a sport that you you weren't 100 passionate about, but we're told by everybody else you're going to be great at it. And as it turns out, you were great at it. Um, certainly at an elite level. And you, you're then in conflict around. Okay, I'm doing this medical degree that I don't really feel like. I should be doing right now. And oh, then it's like, I so regret doing that. It's a big, big mistake. I've I don't got, know who the – yeah, sorry, go on. I've got to drop one of these. I've got to yeah. drop one of the big potatoes yeah. here and I've got yeah. to go all in. And it, it, would, it seems to me at this stage you would have been going all in on something that you might have regretted anyway at this juncture because you've got huge energy, massive intellect, and now it's just a matter of I've got to do one of these two things. I'm ready to go on one of them, so I'm going in on kayaking. Yeah, it was a gamble. It yeah. was a gamble. You rolled and the dice. And it was dice. a decision. I rolled the dice. Um, my biggest logic, my biggest reason to not continue medicine was sport is time limited. Yeah. I said to, I caught up with some of my med friends. I remember saying to them, listen, guys, in like four years, you're going to be doctors and I'm going to be a very poor athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please sponsor me in four years? Yeah. I had one year, so uh, uh-huh. you better remember this. Uh, <laughs> but that was a gamble. I mean, I mean, it's two, it's two polar opposite things in one way because mm. sport is almost like it's, it takes up all my time and it takes up, you know, most of my funds and stuff. And luckily I work as a coach. It balances out. But like doing med would have been the safe option in one way. Like I would have been guaranteed a job. That's mm. one thing where you finish it and you're guaranteed a job. Anyway, anyway, my whole are, point. Yeah. Are you still too close to that to say which whether or not you made the right decision at that point? Or do you I feel, feel like, like – Oh, sorry, go on. No, oh, yeah, go on. Well, I feel like my decision was wrong in leaving and going to study medicine. That was the wrong decision. From the get-go. And also once I did that, mm. that was also saying to the institute, okay, she's out. That was pretty much what happened. That is pretty much what happened. That's probably where I really did lose my spot for the Olympics was probably there. Wow. Yeah, probably. Because my only option from that point really was to make it in the individual. But by that point, I'd taken one year off. So to clarify, I could have qualified individually Mm. or in the C2. So there are two boats going. The C2, two people. The C1, one person. Yeah. So that was the the gamble. Mm. So then come 2019, I... I'm just like, okay, this is my one opportunity. I've got to go all in. And it was mostly alone. Then I went overseas to train. Then I came back. So 2020, the competitions we had to make were Oceania Championships, GP, Grand Prix 2, and Nationals. So it's the end of 2019, I think, roughly. I can't even remember. But I'm on the, I don't even know. I don't even remember that this conversation happened. <laughs> but there was this, uh, this one athlete, one canoeist, um, Raker from Hungary, who's Victorian-based. Teamwork. And it was always me, pardon? Your teammate, my teammate, yep, yeah, great teammate, lovely, love you, Raker. Um, and we were we were always very close to each other in the C one race. Like, mm. would either one of us were very close, 
Um, so that's that was usually for second or third position nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somehow, I can't remember who approached who really. I don't even remember how that happened, but we were like, all right, we're going to try and go to the Olympics. We'll try to make it in the C2. Um, so I really came. So you teamed up at that point. We teamed up. Yeah. yeah. So I drove my boat over to Melbourne. Ended up driving my boat all different mm. between cities. <laughs> pretty comfortable with it, you know. Pretty yeah. fun drive. <laughs> Worrying the whole time about if the boats was going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, yeah. So that was amazing to to go to live in Melbourne. I lived in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm friends with a guy who owns a place right opposite Punt Oval. Excellent. Yeah, so that's amazing. Cool. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, so I could see the Tigers training, so that's why I support the Tigers because they train <laughs> very hard. Yeah. They do train bloody hard, I mean that. Um, whereas when I was training at West Lakes, I would see the Crows um, oh, yeah. and the lights would always the lights would always go off pretty <laughs> early. The lights would go off and we'd still be training out on the water at West Lakes. Yeah. That's because they're at the bar having Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Working the bicep. Yeah. Exactly. I'm Whereas at Richmond, uh, I'd go to sleep and that'd still be training. So yeah, it says right. a lot about the Tigers. That's why they win. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm training with Breaker. Um, she is working full time as a teacher. So she couldn't, she really could not like give the full time. Luckily, as a casual worker, part time worker, I, I was able to give more time to my sport. Mm. Um, but it, we weren't able to do, I think, don't remember how many, we barely got like one training in a week. Mm. Whereas our main competitors were training and fully funded, fully funded. <laughs> Um, to train, good for them, um, mm. to train twice a day. So wow. that's massive, you know. So that was obviously we didn't really have hope. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we've always got hope and I always have hope. That's my biggest, probably my biggest characteristic is to have hope. Yeah. Uh, and so we kept going, we trained and we came, I think we came second to Oceania Championships. Wow. So Australia qualified, <laughs> woo, <Yeah>. qualified <laughs> for the Olympics, yeah. Um, so that's when the, that means Australia has a spot mm-hmm. and that means the next race in and in conjunction with that first race was then what they used for rankings for. The th- to see whether or not you got a spot yeah. on, on the team. Yeah, so that was that the C2. So the C1 race, I can't remember what the placings were for the first. Mm. Um, for the second race, this is the this is a controversy. Mm. Oh, Ooh, here we here go. We go. So this it, is, it all came down to this moment. This so moment. where's the music? So this you've is. given up, you've given up medical school. You've gone all in. You've, I've gone you've, all fucking in. You, you, you moved. Oh wait, I've got two pieces of controversy. You're gonna love the first Ooh. one. You're gonna love this. <laughs> So I have my boat is about ten years old at this point in time. I've got a very old one that was used in the Sydney Olympics. It's actually in the Sydney Olympics. Wow! So I order. Yeah, this deserves suspense. There we go. Wait till you hear this. So I invest in a brand new <laughs> canoe. Oh! <laughs> and it's nice, and it's got odes to my ancestors on it. You know, wow. it's got it's very sentimental. Actually, the artwork I had on it, I wow. had it designed also in partnership with a indigenous artist so I play, paid homage to the water that I paddle on every day for oh. the traditional landowners wherever I am mm-hmm. so it's a beautiful boat I order it somebody wait till you hear this this is great so the shipment gets delayed Ooh. and there's a number of other people who've got new kayaks coming from different like state sports institutions hmm. but someone Some- called up Australian customs and got the shipment delayed Ooh. Now, let me say, this is obviously Are, are there not suspects? For me. Because Matt's pretty good at finding people. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can find the person. <laughs> but but I, find this, I find yeah. this very interesting. No, no, I found this very interesting because no, I don't think this is just for me. Mm. Obviously not. I think there is a larger, a larger force looming where some one of the sports, one of the sports institutions didn't want someone else to be faster 
it would be about the Olympic kayakers, and then they were ringing them up to try and delay that. Wow. And that's what the that's what the owner of the shipment company said, or like mm. of the sorry of the brand of boat that was imported. Right. That's what he said. Wow. Incredible. So your boat isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I don't. I have a brand new boat, which yeah. is like much skinnier, much faster. Obviously, to handles different. Yeah. And that arrived, I think I had two days before the actual Olympic trials in my new boat. Just mm. conveniently so they could say, well, you still had your boat, but you had no practice in the boat, essentially. I had very little time in that boat. And because I haven't been on the water since Olympic trials, I think mm. I've been in that boat like maybe, you know, what, 10 times. I, I mean, I was on the water like three times a day and for the races and all that, probably uh, maybe 20 times or something, a bit more than that. Yeah. But that's how many times I've been in that brand mm. new boat. Mm. Yeah. Right. So you've got the boat. So a little bit of sabotage there. Sabotage. There was sabotage. sabotage. That's wow. what I mean. Like, like that wouldn't happen. Like you can't really do that. The with intrigue us. around canoeing. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I know. And everyone's. And the, this is a funny thing. I caught up with one of my closest so on, friends. On, on top, uh, on top of overcoming uh, some kind of sexual predator slash <laughs> negative influence to. Yeah, I mean, it's true. All, okay, we'll, we'll just run with that. We'll just laugh with it. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> laugh a, when it's painful. <laughs> Gets me through everything. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you've come up against the inertia. Of the institutions, and then all of a sudden you get to that final moment where you've made that investment in your sport. Huge investment. A huge investment. You're working part time. You've given up on your studies as a as a medical student, and the last hurdle literally is presented to you by your boat turning up two days before the <laughs> boat that could have given you the edge that yeah, could have got you across yeah, the and, line. And I just, I yeah, I just remember actually being in contact with the like the boat the person who's importing the boats. Mm. And it was always like, so it was meant to come for the Oceania Championships, which were a month or more before. Mm. And it was like, oh, just another week, just another week, just oh. another week. They've been delayed, they've been delayed, they've been delayed. And I was like, eh, is it coming like this week, this week? And the, the Olympic trials are just coming closer and closer. I'm like, is it mm. coming, is it coming, is it coming? And in like after what you've just said, I caught up for coffee with one of my closest friends, you know, like the, like the one of the few people that you tell like most things to. Mm. And I said, did I ever tell you what went on with canoeing? And she's like, no, I thought you, I thought you were so happy. <laughs> I was like, I didn't tell anyone this. So mm. I've got most of this, like, you know, like I've never said this to anyone. I know now I'm saying it on a live podcast. Mm. But, like, I never said, never shared any of, the, any, any of that with anyone. Like, I don't know why I didn't. I was just. Mm. And so what that meant was when I perhaps could have been having a lot of support from my friends and from my family, I just mm. didn't because I just had no idea. I didn't mm. realise I was. I'm that good at being like, yeah, no, it's all cool, I'm fine. But, wow. but is it also in some part, you know, I mean, you see this a lot with professional athletes that they'll kind of bottle all of that up and somehow use that um, in the lead up to a big championship or a big competition. It's what kept me going. Fight. No, that's, that's and, really... And, and that yeah. becomes the fuel. Yeah, um, it, yeah it was massive fuel. That's yeah. the, I mean, I was paddling on the Yarra. I mean, I was, I was training every day individually and where possible with my teammate either in the C1 or the C2 leading up to these trials. So I was the only, like, I've been one of the few canoeists ever to go out on the Yarra, Mm. like near Mm. all the rowing boats because that's just something canoeists don't do. There's so few canoeists who can balance the boat. There really are. Like Mm -hmm. it's different to kayaking. It's so incredibly difficult to balance. It takes so many months to learn how to stay in the boat Mm. that that deters most people. Mm. There's a very few, like it's a skill that not many people have because it's so hard to just balance in the boat. It's that skinny. It's that difficult. So, you know, one of my favourite memories was during that period and just training one day on the Yarra and I've got a video of this but I'd try and take a video and uh, 
it's just the most beautiful sunset and this bird just, these flock of birds just came past at the right time with the music I had on and it was just like, this mm. is so beautiful. I think I was playing Gold by Chet Faker and I was just like, this is, <laughs> you know, it's just phenomenal, really mm. stunning. But, um, yeah, that was that was actually a really nice time. And what, and what was the second controversy? This is a pretty big controversy. This Ooh. is a very big controversy. <laughs> yeah, I can talk all day about Canoe Flow. Well, I mean, the, the podcast is the daily combat in part, some part because we, we live a, a combat every day. Every day is a battle, you know. And, this was the biggest you know, battle of my and, sports. And it sounds like this was, a, you know, this was the culmination of a whole lot of struggles. You it know? was. And on top of that, all you're trying to do is represent your country. You know, so um, so step us through the second like controversy. Yeah, <laughs> should be a sports psychologist. We're just trying to help. We're, we're so trying to explain more about the and balance you at the same time. <laughs> I'm yeah. feeling like, uh, okay, so this is like the biggest thing, and this is why I haven't been on the wedding. Oh god, I'm going to say it. I mean, it's happened. It's all out there on the internet. So. Um, and this is why I actually made a protest on the podium at the Olympic trials. This is why I didn't just hold my medal and smile. I had my my hand up because this isn't um, this isn't right. And I'll, I'll actually, no, fuck it. I'm just going to say it um, as it is. Um, so we had our first our first race qualified was in the finals. This is the Olympic trials. You have to make a certain time, and you have to you have to win. You have to be the, the number one in Australia. That means you'd probably still get a spot, but. They also add in clauses. Yeah. So the selection policy says something like top three in Australia, um, first for singles has to be number one in Australia, has to reach the time, or at any stage we we may choose to to either go with this policy or without it. So, so it's very... That's what the selection uh, policy is. So, so it's meant to be very clear and, and as an athlete you want something to shoot for but it seems that it's quite arbitrary and can be changed at any moment. Basically how it reads is we can at any time choose anyone that we want. Wow. Right. Regardless of the performance of the other people. <laughs> okay. And so how did you guys perform on that day? So the C2, we were a fair bit behind. Mm -hmm. We did come second but... Really, there's no absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, happy to say. And it was outside of the time, or, or it wasn't. I think we were well outside the time. Yeah, I'm not sure. The actually, interesting enough, the first crew were also outside the time, mm -hmm. much closer, but they were they did not make the time either. It was a very quick time. Obviously, mm. they've been training what twice a day for like two years or something, going yeah. going and competing internationally, having all that experience and have being funded and fully supported by the organisation, which we didn't have. Mm. Um, but, you know, they didn't make it. I think they were just a bit outside of it, but mm. they had a great race. It was good to watch, um, even, even though I was competing. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it afterwards. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, we, on the opposite hand, you know, had very few trainings together. We did the best we could. I thought we had a pretty good race. I mean, we executed our race plan. I think we got a PB. So there's oh. no complaining, and we okay. came second. So nice. that's yeah. pretty good for rankings and all that. We did mm. we did pretty well, and third place was pretty far behind it. Like you know, not even in the question. It was, it was going to be between us and them. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the single race, first place was disqualified. Well, wow. was was disqualified. And, and what were the reasons for the disqualification? In canoeing, you must stay in the middle of your lane. Right. So if you are outside the middle of the lane, you are influencing the lanes oh, the beside you. The wake, ah. exactly. Right. My teammate, and you can actually see this on footage, was definitely influenced by wake coming off first places 
boat. So hmm. number one, there's that evidence there. Number two, which would slow you down, lead to turbulence, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. generally speaking, make it harder for you to qualify. Exactly. Yeah, and slow you down. Yeah, and then uh, first place had a boat right behind them, so they had a a boat whose job it was was to look at them, and because you know she was going to be the one who'd win, mm. they were they chose out of all the lanes that safety boat chose to go behind and watch her. Mm-hmm. Right. In an effort to make the time. She didn't stay in the middle of her lane because she had to make that time and that pressure was so big. So she made the time, I think. I'm pretty sure she did. Mm. Pretty great time. But she didn't do it. If that was the Olympic race, she would have been disqualified. Right. So it, it, so it made it, it – was she trying to disadvantage the competitors or was no. she – in her efforts to no. go faster, she absolutely she lost wouldn't a have bit done of- that. I don't think she would have, would have done that intentionally. Yeah. It was especially not because it would risk her qualification spot. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, no, it wouldn't okay. have been that. Yeah, um, but it would have been. I'm going to go as quick as I fucking can because I want to make the Olympic team and I need to make this time. Yeah, and it was the fastest time. It would have been three seconds faster than anyone in Australia had done. Wow. Incredible. Wow. And she, yeah, yeah, it was incredible. It was the times they set were very hard mm-hmm. um i mean technically no one made them because mm. i mean she was disqualified in doing mm. that i mean if i had wanted to go as fast as i could and if i'd been thinking oh, i'm gonna go outside my lane mm. and go as quick as i can maybe i would have made the time mm. you know what i'm mm. saying mm. maybe i would have won the race if i'd just been like oh i'm just gonna go batshit crazy doesn't matter if i you know if i go outside the lane because i can appeal my disqualification whatever yeah mm. anyway so what this meant was at that point in time i was second in both the C1 and the C2, hmm. and I could have qualified. Oh. They can pick up to three people. So no matter what, even when she later had her disqualification appealed, yeah. I'm still, and I still, I'm pretty sure I'm still currently ranked number three, even though that was my last race. I'm currently the third best canoeist in Australia. I'm going to wow. fucking plug, like, for all the wow. fucking hard work I put in, I'm fucking, I am fucking proud of that. Sorry, yeah. but, like, you know, like. But you're also the number one female arm wrestler right now. That's so, right. Uh, so that's <laughs> something. The trophy says yeah, yeah, well, oh, right. It's out of Australia. Yeah, that's I was it. like, yeah. no, in Australia. Yeah. The trophy doesn't lie. Yeah. No, I, my favourite thing about arm wrestling is that I'm ranked 37 in the guys, and even even though there's only 38. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I don't know. I'm proud of that. Um, so, yeah, so, so that happened. But I think yeah, the way the organisation dealt with it could have been better. We were alerted about 10 p.m. that night before that C2 race. Do you want to appeal her appeal? Like she's appealing, she's saying this, these are her reasons. Do you want to appeal? I just remember how stressed everyone was and I'm really good. I'm grateful to have the skill to just put things away and focus on what I have to get done. So Mm. I did not let any distractions stress me. I didn't feel – I personally did not feel stressed but my teammate did. There were definitely a number of people on our general team who were highly stressed like our team manager, definitely who were affected by the way they were handling things. So we were pretty much alerted, you know, there's an appeal going on, blah, blah. But it was very late at night before our next race. Mm. I really I really just put it to the back of my mind. I thought I, I almost expected there's going to be something like this happening. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. I'm, I'm good at that. I'm good like that. So, so late at night, the night before qualifying, you're getting a phone call from <laughs> officials saying, Hey, there's this almost this legal action being taken. Now you have to make a decision about what you would do next. Yep. 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 Okay. And and this is before your biggest day in the yep. sport. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Mm. And so she and your boat only turned up two days before. Yeah. And, and, so, yeah. Yeah, initially she yeah. was disqualified. She appealed and yep. got overturned. Yes. And nobody else for the other competitors 
were able to reappeal or that or they didn't choose to reappeal? They gave us that option very late at night, the mm. night before our C two race, which uh, is our team race. Right. That morning, I'm not I'm not quite sure. Someone on the team was crying. <laughs> it wasn't me. Uh, I'm not sure if it was my teammate or my team manager. Um, I don't mean to call them out like here, and it's not bad to let your emotions show, but Absolutely what I mean not. to do is demonstrate the extent to which that person was feeling the stress. Yeah, the duress would be huge. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't, you know, there's so nothing bad about that, but that's how much pressure w- was put on us. And as I said, I guess I'm just good at, I learned very, very well how not to let things affect me like that and not be just focus on things, don't be emotional about it and, you know, just focus on executing the job. Yeah. Yeah, and and the the and this girl was she the um was she the, the pres- she was the presumptive number one anyway. Yes. Yeah. So it was quite yes. clear. So at the same time, you're like, I don't want to ruin this girl's dreams yes, by appealing because that was a hard she probably thing. So would have won anyway. We didn't even I, like that was the thing. So I don't think we even put in. I don't think we did put in something because we didn't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. Like she she was the only person who trained just as hard as me. Yeah. I remember she was the only one when I was training in Adelaide. When I came back, she was the only person who would hit the water three times a day like me. I would, hmm. I would be there in the morning and she would have just signed out. You know, I'd be there in the middle of the day. She would have just signed in. You know, she was, her name was always there. And hmm. I was like, at least she's training really hard and she wants this as much as I do hmm. because I hadn't had that experience with anyone else. Hmm. So she was disqualified initially, it got overturned. Yes. Uh, if anyone else in the field had mm. appealed it and it was, and let's say the disqualification stood, mm. the Olympic Committee could have still chosen her anyway from that clause that they'd put in, is that? No. Oh, not the Olympic Committee, but the canoeing organisation could have, and okay. I am sure they would have. So right. when I say, and, and I guess I'm all right to say it, but when I say um, what I saw happening uh, in the for the Olympic trials, mm. It was 2017. I knew the two people who'd be going to the Olympics. Uh, I wrote down mm. their names. I've put it in a Word document somewhere. I've been trying to find it. <laughs> I think I updated my computer and it's not there. But I knew I knew who was going. Yeah, I right. knew who was going. I, I wrote it down. I wrote down that these are the two people who'll be going. Mm. And maybe that was maybe that fucked me up. Maybe just writing that down, I should have written my name down there instead. But I knew, I knew, and maybe that's why it didn't really hit me. Like it. What hit me the hardest, I think, was thinking about um, the amount of time I invested because time has always been so important to me. So thinking about the time I invested in the sport, was that all a waste because it's such a specific skill? Mm. It was never I didn't make it to the Olympics. The only time not making it to the Olympics has actually hit me was when I went to support my friend at the Paralympic swimming trials because there's so much Tokyo merchandise everywhere and everything's <laughs> fucking green and gold. Um, so that was, that was quite recently. That was like two weeks ago. But aside from that, I've had no, no um, kind of uh, down from not making it because I don't think it's over yet. Yeah. Okay. And, and what makes you feel it's not over yet? Because oh, I've still got plenty of time to make the Olympics and it's going to be a lot better when I do. Yeah. Well, in, in, in you know what? Because when I, yeah, like, oh, I don't know about that, um, yeah. especially after what I've just said. I don't right. think Australia can do it. You can tell when you're not. We've been uh, waiting for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that probably try and kill me. <laughs> we, <laughs> have new, we have new canoe for you. No, it's a very interesting thing it is a very interesting thing i don't yeah so i think um yeah it's been very interesting to reflect on this all but i think um like uh, i'll quickly draw it back to when i did finally get that offer 
and the reason I'm bringing this up is I never in a million years thought I could. I actually was literally applying to med every year because I thought I would never do it. That's mm-hmm. why. I thought this is so hard. <laughs> I must do it. <laughs> but when I got that offer, I, I reckon I would have been 10 times happier getting it then and the satisfaction of this has taken me so long mm. then and how and what I learned in the process, like the sports management degree I was doing was incredible and it's helped me in sport. Um, then if I'd gotten in straight out of school. Mm. So what I mean to say is if I make the Olympics in, I mean, 2028 LA, if that's the first Olympics I make, yeah, that's going to feel awesome. That means I would have tried for like nearly two decades, I think. Not mm. only two decades, but yeah, exactly. It, it would be... Over two decades. No, sorry, no, sorry, one decade. If mm. I make it mm. to if 2018, it'd be just one, it'd be about 13 years yeah. of trying. Yeah. And I think that would... That would be awesome. Mm. What, what would you be looking at? Are you going to reveal that, or is that something? That well, you I love boxing, and that, that, that's the thing. Is like, is is your goal? I had a conversation with someone. Is your goal to make the Olympics, or is your goal to be the best in your sport? Mm-hmm. Because it's two different things. Mm. To make the Olympics, it's a lot easier. Canoeing is so goddamn specific. Mm. It really is. Like so many girls were randomly joining at the end, which is fantastic. I saw the sport grow from mm. like five women who were able to stay in the boat mm. to now there's like 20 nationwide. Like that's huge. Yeah, It's so hard to learn how to balance the boat that not many people, like it's very specific. If I want to make the Olympics, aside from the fact that I feel like the organisation absolutely <laughs> would prefer it that I didn't, <laughs> that's literally the main thing, right. um, I would definitely try for canoe because – it's easy, like if you are, if you become skilled at it, and if you work as hard as that girl who, as I said, it was the first time someone had that same work ethic, and that made me really happy. In fact, I'm genuinely happy that she did. She did make it, and she deserves mm. it. She's had a hard life. She worked hard, and she made it good for her. Mm. Um, that to me is like the way to go. Is you know, if you want to make the Olympics, does it really matter what you do? But that's what I learned. Mm. <laughs> Why is it making the Olympics so important <laughs> to you? Oh, I just, I just want to go to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's it's just like the pinnacle of sport. I think that's the main thing, um, what it represents, the values. And, I mean, even now, like, I think it's it's not, to me, it's not really about making it. It's about the process of it really is actually, it's not that important to me. The truth is what's important to me is trying mm-hmm. to go that high. Mm-hmm. That's the truth of it. It's not really like it's never been about putting on a blazer it's never been about calling myself an Olympian ever. Mm. It's never been about that. It's been about training full time, dedicating my life to something and aiming for something that seems impossible. And I think that's, that's what I do most of the time. Mm. Does it have to be the Olympics? What if in boxing another career path opened up and they said this is the, the way to a, a world championship? Or I'd love a, I'd love a big belt. I can see myself with <laughs> I can see myself with it. I can see that. I can see that. And I could never could with canoeing. I never could right. see it. It's yeah. different when you can see something. Absolutely. But would that be a replacement in, in terms of the Olympic dream? Maybe. If something Maybe. else, another avenue opened up. But it's good that you, you know, you've got those options there and you know that if you commit, you have the work ethic mm. to be able to get the skills that you need to either be in the Olympics or a world champion or whatever thing that you want to do. It's like the skills I gathered from my time in canoeing, I can apply that discipline and hard work to achieve whatever it is that I want to get. So regardless as to if it's boxing or if you know canoeing or whatever it is that you want to put your time and effort into, 
if you take those lessons and that time that you did spend, you know, building yourself up to Olympic level uh, and apply that in another sport or in a business or anything, you know, you can really achieve something. So it, I, I don't think it's wasted time. I think any time where you learn those skills, because it's not just about the skill of canoeing, uh, it's the discipline. Because, you know, mm. somebody might learn how to canoe and, mm-hmm. and, and they might do it for fun. I don't know. But... If, it doesn't sound like no, anybody it doesn't, but, does. <laughs> but but if you're if you've spent that time and you've gotten through the hard yards of, you know, like you said, three times a day training, nobody else does that. Like mm. that that shows that you really want this thing mm. and you are willing to sacrifice and put time and effort into mm. getting it. Whatever it is you want to get, you do exactly those same things and you'll get it. Uh, and mm. yeah, it, it's a, an important skill to learn and you've learnt it so mm. I think That's it's true. great and and all the mums want to know can you still go back to medical school if you if you want to like <laughs> has so she left funny. the door open on the medical school thing like just, <laughs> just the in door case. is is open yeah um the door is open but um there's some other things which I've realized I really want to do in my life yeah for sure That's I mean the awesome. yeah. Um, and you know what something you said before about the Olympics which I have never really talked about but during the AIS um we did do a psychological test. Mm-hmm. Well, we did a few. We did lots of assessments. We did lots of psych testing and all that. But after one of them, I can't quite rem- remember the name of it, but actually any combat athletes should should look this up because you can actually do this. Um, Dan Green is still collecting research um, for all athletes. So if you can find the name of this, um, maybe I can find it and link it somehow. Do it because it means the guy gets more data mm-hmm. and he's a great person, so do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I scored the same as gold medal, oh, gold medalist Olympians. Oh, it was mm, like the wow. same psychological skills or something right. like that. Makeup. It creates like a hexagon of your qualities or something. It's mm. like, even an octagon. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh, yeah, all the way around. Here we go. Here we go. Um, and yeah, the researcher came up to me. He's like, you know, you got the same as our gold medalist Olympians, mm. and. That's why I've always, that's one of the and reasons. And was that a surprise to you? Massive surprise. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? He was talking about, he's like, you know, someone here scored the same as what's his, like, as like, like, you know, gold medalist Olympians. Yeah. And I, I no, would not, I was like, that, that was when I was 18, I think I was 18 when I was going for it and then 19 when I first started the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was 18 or 19 and uh, I was not expecting me out of all the, there was some really awesome athletes in that room. Uh, I was not like, uh, yeah, I was not thinking that it was going to be me. I didn't even think of that thought never even crossed my mind. Just rejected what he said. I was like, oh, yeah, someone in here is amazing. It's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't once think, not saying I'm amazing, but I mean like that was a, that's a big thing I do carry with me. Mm. And that is one of the reasons why I feel like I have to go to the Olympics is because I know I have the potential mm. and that's that's the hardest thing for me is, and that's what I've said before in previous podcasts is I know I have what it takes mentally and it's so it's so frustrating to know my potential and not be reaching it because why? Because I'm not in the right sport or I'm not in the right environment. It's like I, I want to mm. do it and I want it to be all on me. That's why I'm doing an individual sport. I want to be fully accountable for what happens. I don't want a disqualification. I don't want a politics to get in the way. I want a really clear thing I can work towards and achieve because I do obviously have the potential. Mm. Yeah, that's what that is one of the reasons I guess why the Olympics were there. But mm. it's true that same thing could be done for a world championship. Why does it have to be the Olympics? Mm. But it was just that that thing is in the back of my mind. Yeah, and that's why I kept going also in canoe because I thought 
You know, that's yeah. what this test. But who knows? It's just a, it's just a test. You know, like yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. It's a, it's a personality, isn't it? Where <laughs> you've got that all or none. You see that with with Ronda Rousey. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whenever you would see her personality and that sort of thing, it was <laughs> everything or <laughs> nothing. Yeah. And so much of you her life. To, you have to be. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be. And you know. The fact she won silver. I think she's silver in, yeah. in judo. In judo, when in the Olympics. Yeah, first US. Yes, medal. disappointed. <laughs> she was disappointed. <laughs> she was she disappointed. I think she was. She was upset that she didn't win the gold. But um, you could see her when she when she went through her UFC streak. I mean, she had a few amateur fights, which she mm. won first round armbar, and then I think the first seven UFC fights, first round armbar. Mm. Um, had a few knockouts and that sort of thing, rose to the top of you know the world, um, world champion, recognised. Uh, and then when she lost, when she lost to Holly Holm by knockout, um, the devastation you could mm. see. Like, be, and, and I remember watching an interview with her, and I think it was on Ellen, um, and she said, she, you know, she was really upset, and she said, if I'm not world champion, then who am I? Mm. And it sort of was like, she so strongly still, identifies with yeah, exactly, that high performance. Exactly. I think mm. that, that's one of those mental parts of the game that isn't focused on that. Yes, it is so important to focus on your goal, but you need to have those other steps along the way for fulfillment. Um, you know, you achieve this, you achieve this, feel great about it. Yes. You know, you are a world champion yeah. forever. Like it doesn't, mm. you're not just because you don't have the belt right now and you, you know, you're lost, you're still a world champion for the rest of your life. It doesn't Absolutely. mean that you're not who you are anymore mm. uh and i see that a lot in the fitness industry you know where i'm working uh, at the moment um that people uh have this, they build like say big a big muscular body and they're you know and they they get respect for that or people comment on that um and, and that like, becomes their identity that becomes who they are yeah. and they're so ingrained in it yeah that if they have i have to say they lose a couple of kilos yeah it's, oh my god, I'm not I'm not the big guy anymore. Yeah. You know? And especially for people that are using performance enhancing stuff. Yeah. You know, that they have to go bigger and smaller because they're cycling on and off throughout the year. I yeah. did not know that. Ah. How interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they you will... just see these guys coming a... in like full on jacked and then the next day I, they're like, oh I'm, hello. I am not kidding you. It <laughs> yeah. is uh is I've seen this I've twenty years I've been training. I've yeah. seen this repetitive cycle. Guy will come in, uh you know, he'll, he'll oh, train for a, a couple. Like of, yeah, he'll come in, uh, train for a little while yeah. um, as a beginner, and then get Games. obviously something <laughs> happens where he might take some vitamins and uh, he's, a, a chance meeting in the change room. Yeah, with somebody more muscular That's leads right. to a transaction, and all of a sudden the <laughs> attitude changes. He starts, you know, being aggressive, water retention, red redness around Acne. the face, puffy, really strong. You know, strength just keeps going up through the roof. And then jaw widens, yeah, and then <laughs> disappears, doesn't come back. And obviously, when they stop using those vitamins, uh, mm. there is that down cycle. Uh, and but well, there's a muscular dysmorphia, which is the clinical right. opposite to anorexia, exactly. And it's suffered mm. by bodybuilders and weight trainers mm. and yeah. people that bigorexia, yeah. One of, one of my exes had that, yeah, yeah, mm. Mm. it's a real thing, mm. you know. And so they all kept asking me, Am I big? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you kept saying yes. You, you look muscly. It's fine. <laughs> Things are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it, it is a mind. But game. you knew how to destroy him as well. It's like, <laughs> have you, you know lost what? weight? Jeez, yeah, you're oh, looking, you're looking skinny. skinny. <laughs> have you eaten today? Ooh, uh, Just when you are stood you still training. <laughs> I love that one. You still training? Still training? Hey? Yes, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. So they'll go. They'll get this big growth period, 
And with that comes a big attitude and ego. Mm. Mm. Look around, like, yeah, I'm awesome. Yeah, look at me. And then, you know, maybe they'll get some compliments. Maybe, oh, geez, mate, you're doing good. Oh, yeah, look at me. And then when the off season happens uh, <laughs> and they lose all of that or 90% of it, yeah. they can't handle the going backwards part. Strength's going down and down and down. And they stop training, completely stop training. Oh, like a superhero wow, losing leave. their superpower. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, and, um, sad. Yeah. yeah. And so you'll see this big growth and then maybe one or two weeks mm. of where they're off and they're realizing, and then you, they will disappear, won't come back to the gym. Mm. And then you'll see them like two years later and they're smaller than when they started. And you're like, why did you do it? Like, why would you do that? Yeah. You know, you put your, your body and your health at risk. But, but that's the difference between, sorry. Well, I would like to take this moment to say my uh, only performance-enhancing uh, thing that I need is my balance cleanse water. Balance cleanse water. Right, yeah. The only enhancement I need. Uh, 10% stronger. 10% by the end of the interview. So it's, right. And it's only like 100 mils down. Um, so don't overdose. Whatever you do, don't take yeah. too oh, yeah, much at once. You don't want to drink too much yeah. of this. Uh, Absolutely This not. is what I was saying. The warm flowers are getting you. When Greg was here, uh, the MMA fighter um, with Diamondback FC, mm. uh, I was talking about you know in the security industry – it's funny because everyone's insecurity. insecurity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you have that where guys get this uh, unnatural strength or un unnatural size mm. um, and people will uh, comment on them and say, oh, you're doing good. Oh, wow, look at this guy. He's massive. Oh, you've seen this guy. He's huge. Mm. You know, and then that becomes their identity and then they don't want to lose that. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of like, why, why are you caring about these people's opinions? You don't know who these people are. They are strangers that this guy well, on a Friday night I think in some part because the muscle in that situation doesn't, apart from the lifts in the gym and the aesthetics, mm -hmm. aren't really towards anything else. And mm -hmm. so it really is an ego feeder to a large extent. Uh, there are naturally those people that are doing it as a discipline and sometimes they channel that into competition mm -hmm. and that's where you, you see people kind of evolve out of that cycle and it becomes their their discipline mm -hmm. outside of that. But when it's a... Uh, when you're uh, performing at the elite level, um, that the ego isn't there in the same way because you understand the difference between winning and losing is mm. is so slim that it's just the it's the weather on the day, it's the wake, it's it is, the yeah. it's the type of boat, whatever mm. it might be. All of these can be factors that can make the difference in milliseconds, and mm. so there's a humility that comes along with that in high performance mm. activities definite. where there's a yeah. definite metric by which you're, you're working to whereas there aren't too many metrics in you know hey i've got 16 inch is it 18 inch what is it you know mm -hmm. uh you know where that it's a it comes from a psychologically a different perspective because it's not a practical element to mm. the to the performance mm. but i think that if you're relying on the opinion of strangers that, that is a bad place to get your identity from yeah, it really <laughs> is yeah. people are the, the the random person on a saturday night that said oh man you're massive and then two weeks later goes oh you're not as big as you were like the week. and that devastates you it's yeah. like why are you listening to that well, guy that, the, you know, you know, that's same as the coach. To, yeah that's yeah. getting external validation and not feeling validated with, within themselves exactly. which is quite sad because yeah. you know i mean the gym for me and for so many people training in general when not for my sport specifically is definitely for well-being and physically and mentally. So it's a shame that people might lose that in pursuit of a certain look. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. even as a coach, that's one thing like my mentor and my coach has always um, been really strong about is coaching for functional fitness and mm -hmm. form will follow. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like the amount of girls who are like, oh, my gosh, you know, like a 
But you know, like, <laughs> you know, like you know, girls who are like um, that was the most girly we've seen you, by the way. <laughs> I'm just going to cut I'll that try. bit and like, put it as a gif. Oh no, okay. So girls who, um, that's fine. Okay, so let's just quickly say that you know, obviously in the media at the moment, it's funny. Different body forms come and go for men and for women. What's in fashion? Whatever. Thank um, God dad bods are in right now. Yeah, I know. I, I've been thinking that ever since dad bods came in. I'm like, you fucking lucky guys. Yeah, like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, just got better. Like, Whose idea was this? Um, <laughs> no one actually thinks this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, but, like, uh, for women at the moment, like, uh, with Kim Kardashian and, mm. and that sort of thing, it became, like, stronger, like, and bigger looking asses, pretty much, like glutes. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like, I've now, I've now seen in the gym there's a machine called the Booty Builder. Oh, yeah, we've got two of them. <laughs> One for each booty. Yeah. So you know, like it's ridiculous. Um, you know this this kind of good god. What has the fitness world come to? But, yeah. but there is. I mean, you know, sure, people want to create that form. That's great. That's mm. good. Um, but when you become fixated on that, yeah. I think what's getting lost is the positive, but the positive things that we get out of fitness. Yeah. So as a coach, hearing that from someone is a bit disheartening. I'd rather hear someone say, can you help me bench this? Can you help me squat this? Or I want to be, want to be able to run fast. I want to be able to do this. Mm. And that's something my coach has always said. So I'll always, as a coach, mm. I'll always be focused on functional, functional fitness and function and what goals can I help you achieve? Because by achieving those goals, you're going to feel better mm -hmm. and your form will follow. Mm -hmm. So hearing these bounces like feel like oh, yeah. that, it's a shame. Absolutely. We, we used to have a guy that uh, I probably told this last time. He used to wear a few five shirts under his You jacket. did not tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> five shirts? Like, what? Like, what are you doing in summer? Hey, when you, like, when your ego is on the line, you know. <laughs> but no, when, when it was not as big, mm -hmm. he would wear five shirts underneath his That's very sad. uniform to so keep the appearance out. of. That's sad. Oh, yeah. so he was taking something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and in the off season, that's it was t-shirts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> he knew what to get him for his birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, is that part of the reason why you transitioned to boxing because the the individualistic nature of it and the the clear cut nature of victory mm -hmm. in boxing? Like, you know, if you've been knocked out, you you came up against somebody that was better on the day, but if you were the one doing the knocking out, you deserved your spot in the podium. It was that type of. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. You absolutely. didn't have to seek too far for external validation when it was uh, so immediately obvious in combat mm -hmm. sport. Exactly. Like I want to feel um, fully responsible for my performance. I don't want to feel like any external influence is holding me back from my potential. And mm -hmm. that is how I felt in canoeing. I felt like there were external forces and no matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I worked, mm -hmm. it was never going to be in my favour. And, mm -hmm. you know, Maybe I was right, mm. maybe I wasn't, but it seems like I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's why I knew straight away I wanted to do also because I hadn't ever been paired with someone who was able to, willing to, and wanting to work at the same level as me mm -hmm. to, to sacrifice other things and other social things specifically mm. to just to just put everything in and be all in like Ronda, be all in like mm. those those athletes who are. I've never been in a team with someone who has been that same way inclined as me. Mm. If I was, maybe things would be different, but I just haven't had that opportunity yet. Mm. So for me, I knew I wanted to go to an individual sport. And, and how old are you now? 25. 25. So in, in 2028, 
32, 33. Yeah, which is fine for Olympic sports, really, especially once you've yeah. um, committed that time. So one of my inspirations uh, on the Australian women's boxing scene is Anya Stridesman. Uh, she started. She won a gold medal at the 2018 uh, Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in boxing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I reached out to her. Now we've been friends. We actually met on Ninja Warrior. We both did oh. Ninja Warrior this year. Was it this year I did that again? Yeah, yeah, I did it. I did that this year. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. That, that, that looks like fun. So when became... was the first time you did Ninja Warrior? Oh, uh, yeah, you know. You'd be good 90, at Ninja Warrior. 93. Oh, it's fuck out of my arm. I don't know why I Unless did you're it holding again. yourself like this. Or... <laughs> yeah, but you've, got, you've, got, you've got the arm length. Like, you got your both. I weigh like 100 kilos. I wouldn't be. <laughs> It would be it's fun. Though, I'd love it's to fun do it. when you go flying. Like my my catchphrase: if if you're not gonna make the wall, be about your fall. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love to just have like two hours on there, just oh, trying. Be so much fun! It'd yeah. be so much fun. So like, do you get a oh, well, maybe we do. <laughs> do you get a practice run on it? Like no, do you, you know. Okay. You, you watch it once. You watch it once. You watch somebody else. You watch do someone it. else do it once, and then that's it. So you don't know what grip to use. Yeah, no. You don't yeah, know how slippery it's going to be. The talk behind the scenes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Have you seen the original series, the the Japanese version no, of that? No, I haven't. Um, I, oh, it's translated to Ninja Warrior. My, 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 my Japanese. Saisuka. Saisuka. Something like that. Yeah. Fantastic. I came across it. There's always these like random shows you end up sort of watching on YouTube. You're like, what is this? And then it's like, oh, this is cool. And then I'm watching like 20 seasons worth. Um, But they had for their final, because obviously there's four stages in, you know, the obstacle course kind of thing. Um, you know, first one, uh, you know, reasonably hard. Second one, pretty hard. Third one, ridiculous. And the fourth one was just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few people with the Japanese version had gotten to the fourth one. The fourth challenge uh, back then was a rope climb, that a really thick rope, hmm. and, you, and you had to climb up like a, a bell tower thing <laughs> in like 20 seconds <laughs> and, uh, and hit a button at the top. Uh, and at the 22nd mark, the rope would detach and you would, <laughs> <laughs> you would fall into a moat with alligators. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would detach and you would fall into a big... Then ninjas big, come. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why it was called that. That's Your awesome. honour was gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so a couple of guys had got to that stage, but it's, it's you know, they are gripping with their hand and then they're gripping with their legs mm. Uh, mm. and it's like, ready, go. Mm. And they would hand, legs, hands, legs and you know they'd get halfway and then poof, thing would detach they got nowhere near it mm. and it wasn't until this one guy who was a fisherman who used to like climb over his boat all day you know, oh. like with his body weight it was like 60 kilo guy uh when he made it he made it to the final round and they said go he didn't use his legs at all oh. he grabbed with one hand 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 and just ripped himself up like wow. with his hands got yeah. on top hit it with like six seconds left he just wow. he flew up that thing wow. it's insane it was crazy wow. it was, and but he became the first winner and then of course wow. he was invited back to every single one he's like you know the, the celebrity of mm. that now yeah. So, yeah that's awesome that was so cool fantastic. yeah because that's everyone cool. else's technique you know which is climb a rope that's how you do it use your legs use your hands but he was like screw that i'm just using my arms like <laughs> i've got to get up there mm. and he so afterwards everybody's trying to do it that way i'm guessing that well, was they the- ch- if somebody um i don't know what it's like with every other version but with the japanese one if somebody conquered it then they would change it and make yes. it harder yes. Oh. yes that did happen this season. oh really that did yeah. happen this season oh. yeah 
So, um, so how did you get involved in that in the first place? You saw it on TV and went, oh, I want to do it? Or actually, you get a phone call saying, I saw you on a kayak? Actually, you no, said, I, remember I reckon you're pretty, pretty good at this. No, I remember it real well. I was watching it with, the, funnily enough, we're talking about this one, um, my ex on TV, American Ninja Warrior came up. I said, that's going to come to, this was before it was ever in Australia. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's going to come to Australia and mm-hmm. I'm going to be on it. And this guy's like, that will never come to Australia and you're never going to go on that show. By and he way. came to Australia the next year do, and do I, I went on it. Do I look good and yeah, do I look big? And then told him he was a skinny nuts. Uh, yeah, Still so training. that's yeah. pretty much why. How's that's actually cards? why I applied. It was only because of that conversation. That was the only reason. Wow. Uh, and so uh, it was an application process yep. and, and then you get a phone call from the producers, I'm guessing, yeah. at some stage. I think and... they changed my story when I was on there. Wow. I, told <laughs> I told them why. I think, I think the story we went with was like, I'm going to the well they wanted me to say I never said it but like they wanted me to say I'm going to go to the Tokyo Olympics and win gold for Australia but first I'm going to make it up the Ninja Warrior wall <laughs> and I said I said listen I'm not going to say that <laughs> because no yeah. uh, but I said something like you know I hope one day I can represent Australia at the Olympics uh, and I can't wait to give this a go cool yeah and then I went <laughs> flying off the second obstacle <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah it was so much fun did that overdub your voice with like a- <laughs> <laughs> if they did that I'd be gutted I'd be like no it's not me that in Japan me. though yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. that'd be pretty good what, what was the obstacles so the first one mm-hmm. um, is the steps like you know what- yeah this is back in series two so I've done series two and series five series right. five is currently airing uh, series two, the first thing I noticed was the steps were super far apart. Yeah. They were so much wider apart in real life than they look on TV. And yeah. I just remember thinking, shit, <laughs> I hope I fall. <laughs> uh, I, was, I, was, I was worried. But I had so much fun. I had so many friends come to support me. I had friends from Queensland, Sydney, and Adelaide come to support wow. me. I had awesome. a, yeah, I had a great, actually one of the, um, the media lady, Laura from uh, Canoeing, came to watch me. So mm. she was part of the organisation who came to support. So that was, that was pretty good. That was very, very great. Did you hire like a Polish person just to yell at you whilst you're doing it? Just to, <laughs> Maybe that was my mistake. If I, if I had my coach there, actually, actually. Just somebody's uncle would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. How's this? No, another kayaker, one of the kayakers from the sports institution went on it and everyone was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. But my coaches were furious that I went on the show. They were like, how could you do that? Like, oh, my God, you could have got injured. But then oh. they were totally fine for the guy to go do it. I'm yeah. like, come on. So Six. the steps are the first. The second one. This is the one I went flying. Uh, off. It was a, it was a bungee. It was right. a bungee, and then you had to it, the bungee went down, and they told me before I went on there like hold the bungee at the top, <laughs> and I thought to myself they're definitely trying to stuff me up. I'm going to hold the oh. bungee at the bottom because they obviously want fewer people to succeed to get to the next round. But you know what? I should have oh. just trusted them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's literally what stuffed me up was I held the very bottom, thinking in my head somehow like if I hold it from the bottom, it's got less weight to stretch which was dumb because it's a bungee. It's not a piece of rope. <laughs> so if I'd heard you, it at You the went top, to medical school. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday on an interview, yesterday on a live radio interview promoting the push-up uh, challenge, oh, yeah. I made a massive medical error. I was talking about my torn labrum. They're like, so tell us about the labrum. I'm like, yeah, it's the back because my GP had described it as the back of the shoulder. But the labrum's part of your, like, it's part of the ball and socket joint, oh. so it's got nothing to do with, with that. And I just remember thinking, oh, the best thing i learned in that year was how to wash my hands like uh, that was the one thing we did over and over again that i'm just like during covid i'm like all right guys this is how you wash your hands (laughs) (laughs) so 
Um, and that, that would be frustrating though with Ninja Warrior. That's what I sort of think when I watch it, that this person's, you know, they've done the intro, they've given a bit of a backstory and two seconds in they're, they're done. And it's like, on to the next person. I uh, genuinely... And you feel vested. You feel vested. Yeah, 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 you know, well, yeah, yeah. She was going to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was really going for her. I hope yeah. she was yeah. going to do well and now she's gone from our lives. Yeah. yeah. Well, I... Will she be back? Maybe forever. season five. <laughs> funny, <laughs> funny that. Yeah, I had grand plans for my return to Ninja when I was going to do it. But um, I actually had so much fun. I met amazing people. Like, the people who do it are awesome. Made yeah. some great friends from different sports. One of the guys who did the AIS sports draft who got in for a combat sport, I think he did jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. He is really good at Ninja Warrior. He oh, does a great job. Makes sense. Josh, I've forgotten yeah. his life. Josh O'Sullivan. Mm. Yeah. He smashes it. He's an incredibly talented ninja. And he was, yeah, so he's from the sports draft as well. So it's mm. pretty cool to ha- even have some AIS people out there. Are, are you allowed to give it a go afterwards? Like after no. Sort of said, oh, oh, really? We were, okay, so we were filming on Cockatoo Island and we almost went back. Like we, that we were glamping. <laughs> no, I was so close to doing it. Me, me and a few of the other people. You got the kayak out. Yeah. We were going we to go back because they didn't have any security around it. We were literally going to go back, but then I'm like, I might die. Die if I fall off yeah. something. Yeah, that's the main thing. Risk assessment. How do you think you would have gone on the next one if you'd made the bungee? On that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, the next one was easy. The next, so they generally they try and wipe a lot of people off on the second obstacle. Mm. Then they try and wipe a lot of people off on like the fourth one. So if you make it past the second, it's like who's quickest through mm-hmm. the third. Mm-hmm. I think the third may have been a running one, and I think I would have been okay. It was okay. like lower body strength. Right. So I think I would have been fine. But mm-hmm. I had so much fun because. Right before I fell off, I, and this is probably a reason why maybe I wasn't doing quite so good, I was very invested in the crowd. Because <laughs> as a rapper, I was like, this is my best opportunity to get a crowd going. So I'm like, can I get an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie? And then I've got like the whole, oh. like all these people in Cocktail going, oi, oi, oi. And then I'm like, Aussie, 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 oi. And then woo. And I did a backflip. I was on fall, I, I, I was on fall of the week. That was like oh, my highlight. Uh. So I felt like I did a good job well. because, you know, I had a spectacular, it felt like I was flying through the air. The momentum. In my hat, and I went. I, I did do a backflip, so I was like, "If this was, if this <laughs> bottle of balanced cleanse oh. water was my body, straight to camera." <laughs> this, um. this, this being my face, um, so I approached the bungee like so, yep. held it too low, and then I went, "Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy," and then I went, Whoa. and then like that, wow. In, into, in, the water. into water. Oh, good. Because oh, I was and just thinking, I hope into it was water. Into the alligator's moat. Yeah. <laughs> Ninjas. That was um, the... Yeah, sorry. Oh, it just popped in my head. The first UFC, the first they one. They had alligators. They were... That, no, I'm serious. They, they literally were... They were considering... Because it was supposed to be this freak show event, right? Mm. And they wanted... One of the ideas that came no, up... Just no, like, I didn't want it. Animal ...was to have... A, a moat around the octagon with al- live alligators in it. That was that one of the ideas. That would have been awesome if it, would it wasn't be cool. too Dan loud. White, actually, I'd watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that Steve is Maxwell's sick. idea. As long no. as they're happy <laughs> Maybe just for any Jake Paul fights in future, right. maybe just something to keep in mind. Yeah. So, idea. <laughs> so how was it? So you, you you get on there and then uh, you decide I want to go. How, how do you get back a second time? I would imagine that'd be even harder than getting on the first time. Yeah, it really is. I don't. I. I, I did they just forget your details and? No. See, this oh, is why. This is why yeah. my run wasn't. Or did you aired. go with a different name with a different IP address? Or, <laughs> uh, VPN. You used a VPN. You just right? got a VPN for the first time. Um, so me and my friend who actually appeared on it with me, he's a great friend from school. We used to do like random runs, like hundred kilometer relays together. So we've got a good athletic background together. Um, we both got to do series two together, which was really good fun to have your schoolmate there. Mm. It was a, 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 like unreal experience um, to be on Cockatoo Island as a ninja. 
it's a lot of hype around it. It's a great atmosphere, right? Yeah. Um, and then in, I don't know, I think he I think he sent me the application. It's like, do you want to do it again? Mm. And I always thought if I go back, I'm going to be really training for it. I don't want to go back and just come off the second obstacle because you do get judged for it. I did get a lot of judgment for it, which at that time did affect me because I was younger, but now it doesn't. I don't care. <laughs> say what you want to say. <laughs> you couldn't hit armchair warriors. <laughs> you know, you got you to come and give it a go. Easy um, to criticise, hard to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, I've seen some great quotes about criticism, yeah, which is <laughs> Great. Anyway, um, probably not appropriate for me to say. I was going to say, but I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then we put in the applications, um, and it was actually really hard to get on this season, which was quite interesting. So for returning ninjas, one of the guys from Adelaide who goes back quite a fair bit, he literally made up that he got into skateboarding so that they would put him on the show again and give him another chance. <laughs> I'm wow. like, that is so funny. Like he's like, he rocks up with the skateboard. He's like, oh, I'm like, oh, so you took up skateboarding. He's like, yeah, I actually just did this. So I'd come back. Like, just ride the skateboard. Oh. No, that's actually what happened. Actually, it was quite oh, funny right. overhearing what the camera crew was saying about his skateboarding skills. It was quite amusing. <laughs> um, but no, he does a good job. He's a decent. I couldn't stand up on a skateboard. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Has your run aired for this season? No. So ah. get this. So I go up to for my second run. Um and then Are you I, allowed to say this or not? Yes, yeah, okay, it's cool. uh, it's yes yeah, happening now. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's currently airing. So the first episode was on Sunday. Ah. And when, uh, that would have been will my you episode. No, that would have been my oh, episode. It would have been. Yeah. Oh, it would have been on. So oh, this okay. is quite funny. I'm actually grateful like that it wasn't. Um <laughs> but Oh now uh, I'm intrigued. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I got into a fight. Um <laughs> I uh, beat someone. No, just kidding, guys. Uh, <laughs> with um, an alligator in the <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> I told you about the alligator. Yeah. Um, no, I got up. So they call out and announce you, and they're like, "This is uh, Isabella Rossitano. She is a uh, ex canoeist turned boxer. Like, accidentally called me a pro boxer, and mm. I'm like, uh, definitely not pro <laughs> boxing fan right now. And um, anyway, um, they go, she is a everyone give it up for first time ninja warrior rookie uh. Isabella Rossitano. This is the first time she's done it. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh well. Oh, so they <laughs> somehow the production's changed hands, and uh. they didn't remember that, so they couldn't uh. air it because I had been on the uh. show. before. Oh. And they screwed up the oh. your intro. I mean, they could have just I don't know. Could they just dumped it over? Yeah, I don't know. But I'm I'm actually happy because like I wanted I wanted the second time I go back there to make to at least get to the third obstacle and mm. do better. And because I hadn't been having that goal in my mind, I definitely hadn't been training specific specifically for ninja. And ninjas do train. Like the people you see who make semifinals, they are all training all the time. Wow. It is a sport for them. So they right, go to train okay. at specific ninja gyms and they're very serious about it. Doing season five <laughs> after season two, it's like going from like people who take this, like me, so much for fun, enjoy it, like once in a lifetime experience, like why the hell would I do that? Like, like I, you know, it's pretty random. Mm. Um, but now it's like a dead serious sport. So like the culture's faking, changed. Faking being skateboarders to get yeah. in. Like yeah, you know, serious, exactly. right? it's, dead, it's dead. It's cutthroat. So the environment's right. changed a bit and it's like the, still, the same awesome people are there. It's still fun, but it's less. It's definitely edge. less fun and it's more competitive. Uh -huh. So for someone like me who who isn't training all year round, it's, it's not fun. Like if, you, if you're there for fun, everyone takes it seriously. You, you're the, you know, it's not. Right. Mm. Um, so I do plan to go back and have a great go, but 
I've got other things to prioritize mm. right now, and it's not it's not a focus, definitely not. So. And to find these ninja gyms, you have to decipher a series of clues, each more difficult <laughs> than the last. Yes. <laughs> Only appears at certain times. Yeah. Yes. We don't really have any in South Australia. We do have Latitude, which is a fantastic gym to go to. But uh, in Sydney, yep. Bounce, yeah, in Sydney, we've got there's a, there's a lot of great ones up there, and in, yeah, other cities too. Yeah. Awesome. So that's my ninja story. But the reason we were mm. talking about ninja was that's where. So I reached out to this athlete. So she's a like, you know, one of the best boxers in Australia, like amateur. And I was like, I can't remember, but I just started a conversation like, you know, well done. I think I just said well done on your gold medal, like after the Commonwealth Games. Anyway, then we became like Instagram friends. Oh. And um and then we met on the first time we actually met in person was on Ninja Warrior. Wow. So that was a pretty cool way to meet her. Yeah. And uh, we're actually hoping to make um to do some uh sustainable gym wear. And to do a clothing line one day. So awesome. she, she's, she's an artist. She's very talented. And she started when she was 22 or 23 years old into boxing. Mm. And she won gold in 2018. So that wow. makes her, I don't know, like late 20s when she won her gold medal. And she was very close to making it to Tokyo. Mm. So if she can do it. She inspires me. And I believe I can still make it in as a 25-year-old starting out. But I think more so it's definitely, you know, it's just about, uh, I've been lucky to be having a number of training years behind me. Mm, absolutely. Because I did get a lot of injuries beginning in canoeing because I was jumping into a training regime that people with five years of training experience had been doing yeah. and I did not have that level of strength and conditioning training behind me. So I think that was one of the reasons I was predisposed to having injuries which took away from my training time and now those years will be cut out of, say, a general 25-year-old girl who wants to take up boxing. Mm. Like for a general 25-year-old, it'd be harder to do those things, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, well, I think something happens to you as you kind of, you, when you come out of adolescence and into early adulthood, like you, basically the body that you've got there is relatively easy to maintain as, as mm. the years go on. So you, you've got your tendon strength, mm. you know, every, everything's kind of there and in place. And then you can build around a specificity mm. around your functionality and exactly yeah and with, and with boxing um it, it seems that well what what kind of are you coming across any injuries in the transition to boxing from kayaking like are things emerging now that are niggles that weren't before when you were mm. on the water more yeah definitely i think unfortunately the one thing i've noticed and it came up like june and at least with training experience um anyone listening um you know, you learn to work out when you're about to get an injury. Mm. So you learn a niggle is something to address as soon as it's a niggle. Address mm. it. Mm. Don't want it to take away from your training time. Um, so for me, I knew my shoulder was it was an issue around June last year. I flagged it with my physio and then unfortunately November was real bad. Like there, that's when it started the clicking. <laughs> and now I need to do this to kind of get some sort of relief every now and again. Yeah. Um but, you know, I've been trying to work on getting that diagnosed through a number of things. So um, my GP is suspecting it. Oh, God, I hope I didn't miss my appointment with a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Just occurred. Just Shit. <laughs> uh, I think I may have been today. Um, uh, I had an appointment with a shoulder surgeon. I hope that wasn't today. Uh, um, uh, and that was about my shoulder, believe it or not. Yep. Um, my right shoulder. Uh, so he suspects. And that's exacerbated, I mean, from the canoeing, but now with well, the different movement. Yeah, what I reckon is um, being in such a one-sided position canoeing, mm. I reckon now my my thing is maybe I was just evening evening out. So my, my body is so used to doing the same movement for years that mm. now doing this different movement is like, ah, yeah. It's That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know, but uh, Doc says it may be a torn labrum. Yeah. 
You could oh. box with just one arm. Maybe. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe. <laughs> I just swapped to Southpaw. I started out at Southpaw. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Huh. Just I love switching, though. There's that movie uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal that came out called, called Southpaw. Southpaw. <laughs> and he boxed conventional the entire movie <laughs> until the last punch when he went and stepped into Southpaw punch. I watched that movie. <laughs> How could you call that movie Southpaw? And it's like, he's in conventional stance. The whole movie. He's in conventional stance. It's this funny you say that. Was there nobody on set? Was there <laughs> yeah. nobody? So one funny. punch. No, one it's punch so funny Southpaw. you say that. So the whole point of this movie, this is anyone listening, Southpaw, I... I rated a, a 2.5 out of, <laughs> out of 5. That's maybe a bit high, maybe a 3 out of 10. I'm G- not sure. Hall looked pretty good, though. He was really ripped. I don't know if yeah, you've he seen did it. He good. did commit yeah, and he was lie. very yeah. shredded yeah. in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just talk about quickly about the um, – so I put on – we had um, an arm wrestling thing on uh, Monday night and it went for four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is after two and a half hours training That's the night right. before, yeah. And the super match as well. <laughs> yeah, the super yeah. match. Um, so it was uh, Derek McGill, where I'm working at the moment. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, we, they had their first birthday celebration thing. And, uh, Happy birthday, to, Derek Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and just sneak the arm wrestling table in and say, yeah, can I just, yeah. Yeah, sure, okay. I uh, wasn't sure exactly how it would go because, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> we talk about that ego thing in mm. gyms. Um, and I think the same thing that always seems to happen Girls will come up first. (laughs) And then, you know, after the guys sort of, okay, and they'll see that, you know, I'm I'm letting somebody work and I'm explaining how, you know, I'm not just pinning people. Mm. Uh, Then, you know, we had guys started coming up and it just flowed on from there and it was like, Next person, next person, next person, next person. Um, it was great. I was had a great time. I started losing my voice. Like, <laughs> what were you doing? Someone. Screaming at them? No, this is no. how you do it. You're doing wrong. Got that? You way. use the rolling method. Because <laughs> right. the, they had. Yeah, you know, that's a good Gunters. That was yeah. great. <laughs> Trained secretly under yeah. Gunters. <laughs> um, because they had some DJs in as like some special guests. The music was. 10 times louder than normal. It was like a nightclub level. <laughs> yelling. Classic. No, go backwards. You know, and it was like three hours later, I've got no voice. Like, but, um, fantastic. It was great. It was, and it's really fun seeing how somebody can step up to the table and the level of strength that they've got. You know, they might be really strong, uh, but, you know, you're not feeling anything because of the way that they're pushing. But after five minutes of just explaining where you can put your leverage and really like that, the strength level increase, you know, it's up 10 times. This is it's crazy. It's just like, well, I'm going to stop teaching you now because <laughs> I'm really struggling. So, yeah, it was fun. We, we had a good time. It's wanted to highlight that. It was like, yes, it was good. And now my arm is sore because it was seven and a half that's hours awesome. of training. No, that's fantastic to hear. That's mm. really good. That was good fun. So Sunday, you have to come along. I do want to come along. <laughs> I mean, after hearing about the 10K prize, I think, yeah. I mean, 10K, that's significant. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that that was for over the top. That's right, over the top competition. Yeah, um, coming up in. So there's a range of big calendar events that are coming up in the world of combat sports over the the, the next several weeks. Uh, so. Isabella Rostano will be fighting Logan Paul. <laughs> 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 at, uh, I thought you wanted to get your pay per view. What's now? the gardens? Uh, Madison which garden? Square. Madison, Madison Square Gardens. Square. Yeah, um, you're all booked in. Already. <laughs> I don't even need to train. I don't need to train. I I had no idea you'd gone to medical school, but that came up today. So, I mean, I don't know what's coming out of your mouth. Uh, It's like uh, a uh, therapy session. Yeah. So, tell, uh, us, tell us your entire life story. I feel like that's what I've just done. Yeah. Do you feel better, though? 
a wage <laughs> now, has been lifted off the shoulder. Like, we'll yeah. just say that. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I love to talk about my biggest life regrets. Always <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel good. It's always good to get these things out publicly. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For the first time. I don't talk about it with anyone, but, you know, here it is. We'll out talk on about this. with anybody who wants to hear it. There you yeah, go. that's right. Well, uh, DFC, DFC 12 is at the Adelaide Oval uh, 1st of August now. Uh, because of the whole COVID thing uh, developing in New South Wales and the effects of uh, the shutdowns in Victoria, uh, obviously uh, making any matchups uh, in the combat sports world right now is so difficult because it's not just a matter of the timing of the events, but the training and the lead up for the athletes. <laughs> That sponsor again? What? No, I, was just, I was just thinking about balance. Oh, were you? <laughs> it always speaks to smart. <laughs> Every, everything was there apart from the spray of water yeah. that I was expecting. Yeah, I was about to. Yeah, that's what made me laugh. Sorry. So, Diamondback Fighting Night. Let's it's talk about that. First of August. It's first of August. First of August. DFC 12 at the Adelaide Oval. And uh, people can buy their tickets now on uh, diamondbackfc.com. Um, there's some VIP. VIP, VPNs. VIP. They can get VPNs. <laughs> uh, we don't have a sponsor yet, do we? Uh, <laughs> but they can get VPI, uh, VP, VIP tickets uh, uh, now and uh, and uh, reserve their reserve their tickets. Um, but the the matchups are, are, are really difficult to make at the moment, and uh, and and several of the top fighters, of course, are a little bit stuck due to circumstances um, outside of their control. You're and, stepping in, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I'll, I'll be ready. Um, <laughs> Obviously, super heavyweight. We, and will be, we will be supporting you, Dave, every step of the way. I'm in the dad bod challenge. Right. Um, yeah. So Main event, heavyweight, title fight. No conditioning, no cardio required. <laughs> Who um, needs that, it should, really? It should be great. Um, so, um, uh, so yeah, DFC 12 Adelaide Oval. Um, now, our guest uh, this evening was to be uh, uh, Carly Gangel. Um, uh, Carly's uh, uh, a figure in the uh, combat sports world, as we all know, and uh, is a uh, running at Pride um, Championships at the moment. So uh, now, um, similarly, you know, her day was tripped over today because of the, COVID, the the shutdown in the border with New South Wales and the restrictions that have just got in place there. So three of her biggest fights uh, have just all of a sudden fallen through. That's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough. and we for feel for you, Carly. Yeah, and for, for a local promotion, you know, there's an enormous amount of investment in time and money. Um, her uh, MC and ring announcer wasn't able to make it and so cancelled. And this is all going on on the 24th of July. So mm. from what I understand, our thoughts are with you, Carly. We, we mm. hope it's all panning out tonight. And we know that you're on the phones right now trying to pull the whole event uh, together. So um, we wish you well with it. But uh, 24th of July, from all the information that Carly shares with me, she will be doing everything in her power to put on a world-class event on the 24th of July, regardless of COVID. So um, so she's looking to uh, get those fights rebooked and. Uh, Get matchups that uh, the crowds will absolutely love. So, twenty fourth of July, and people can find out more by heading over to a Pride website. Is that that's Muay Thai only? Or? Muay Thai kickboxing. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. she's world champion. So, yeah, she, yeah. So, uh, we we can't wait to have you in the studio, Carly. So, um, Carly was meant to be uh, here today, but uh, uh, we'll be here next week. Um, another uh, guest that's coming up on the podcast. Um, who will be appearing in our next episode will be Steve Maxwell. And uh, for those that are familiar with the Joe Rogan podcast, you might well have uh, come across Steve Maxwell uh, on a few occasions already. Um, He's also featured on Brian Rose's London Real podcast and and hundreds of others over recent years. So uh, Steve shares a really interesting perspective. He's uh, 
been voted one of the top 100 personal trainers or strength and conditioning coaches, to be more specific. So he's my competition. Of all time. <laughs> of all time. Yeah. yeah. So um, he, he's, um, I shouldn't perhaps say, but he's definitely in his 60s now, yeah. uh, 63, 64 years old. He looks terrific. Um, <laughs> he's in um, a tremendous shape. He's uh, first Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went sick. in stayed with the Gracies. He, he um, picked up more than just uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu whilst he was there, very much a way of life and a, um, a way of eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but before he got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he was um, a, a, a very high-level wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, a national in, in America, I think a lot of people kind of don't quite get how um, big wrestling is at, mm-hmm. at a high school and a, at a yeah, college level. Yeah, very interesting. So he was a national-level wrestler. Um, a smaller guy didn't really like the the, the punching sports. Um, his dad tried to get him into boxing early, but found with wrestling that was really his way in. Being a smaller guy, he enjoyed that, and uh, then of course fell in love with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and um, even introduced kettlebell training from Russia to to North America. So that uh, he is almost, uh, and on top of that, was an initial investor in the UFC. So I mean, very much the. Um, the story of modern uh, combat sports can be really? um, found within Steve Maxwell's uh, story as well. So uh, really looking forward to uh, having Steve on the podcast uh, next week. So um, certainly uh, if you're uh, tuning in today, tune into the live stream for next week. That'll be huge. We're really looking forward to that. And, uh, of course, Carly Gangel hopefully will be back here to tell us all about her massive event that's happening on the 24th of July and more. So, um Thanks so much for joining us once again on the podcast. On behalf of Izzy, Matt and the whole team here, we'll look forward to bringing you a whole lot more next time. Uh, And just uh, finally, uh, a word from our sponsors. Yeah, just a thank you to Balance Cleanse Water, the best water there is. 10% stronger. 10% stronger. Guaranteed. (laughs) You've been listening to the Daily Combat Podcast. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups. With their board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience, Real is for real people by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano, and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review, as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at The Daily Combat Podcast team.